0: Five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: Here we go. It's game time.
0: Unforgettable.
1: And quality base here. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the Marsh, just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. Here's your
0: host, Dean Millard. A one small step for man, one giant leap for man. Nice to be in orbit.
2: Hello there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. I'm just uh, thankful uh, that you have downloaded uh, the Sports & More podcast. This is episode 20, and uh, we're going with the guy that wore number 22 today, Chris Dingman, two-time Stanley Cup champion, former Brandon King, has some really funny and uh, incredible stories to tell about his playing career. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dish. Uh, at Ding Dish is his uh, Twitter handle. Uh, and we're we're kind of doing a no-frills podcast today because the conversation is a lengthy one. Uh, Chris had some great stories. I didn't want to uh, interrupt uh, with any other segments. So basically, it's going to be the Chris Dingman hour and a bit here on Sports & More, the podcast today. We will, though, have Acme Meat Market Trivia. A gift card from Acme Meat Market up for grabs. You can go say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton, 9570 76th Avenue. And you can check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Since 1921, and know that when you get something from Corey the Butcher, that's his Twitter handle, at Corey the Butcher, you're getting it from one of Canada's top butchers. Recently named to Team Canada, for the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. You're you're kind of getting the Marc Messier of butchers. One of the best in Canada. Uh, so we're having a gift card up for grabs uh, from Acme Meat Market. Uh, we'll have a Chris Dingman trivia answer that you need to provide, and you'll get the answer from the interview. So without further ado, let's learn more about Chris Dingman. time for the bio. Chris Dingman was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, and was originally a draft pick of the Seattle Thunderbirds. He was dealt to the Wheat Kings and at 16 moved to Brandon, Manitoba. He spent four years in the Wheat City playing in two Memorial Cups and was drafted by the Calgary Flames. After five years in the Flames organization, he was traded to Colorado along with Theo Fleury, and in 2001, lifted the Stanley Cup with the Avs. Fifteen days after winning the Cup, he was shipped to Carolina, where he played 30 games before the Canes traded him to Tampa. Four years in the Sunshine State, in another Stanley Cup, beating the team that drafted him in the 4 final, Dingman finished his NHL career in 2006. After a couple of years in Europe, he retired and became an analyst on Lightning games before returning to Edmonton a year ago. He has two sons and his wife is about to give birth within the week to a daughter. I'm very pleased to have in studio today, two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, Western Hockey League uh, champion as well, Chris Dingman. Uh, Chris, thanks very much for Coming into Podcast Alley here. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good. A little tired after the, I guess the holiday weekend, but it didn't really feel like a holiday because uh, one of my older boy was in a tournament in uh, Camros and my younger boy had games. So holidays aren't really holidays.
2: Yeah. Now now we know what our parents uh, went through is uh, when we were kids running everybody sure. to hockey. Eh? Yeah,
1: that's what my dad tells me all the time. Oh yeah, remember what we did? I'm like <laughs> not even close. I didn't fly anywhere until I was, I don't think like 15. Well, I even well, uh, no 18. For hockey, too. I think, to be honest with you. So, yeah, uh, we've flown everywhere, living in Tampa before we moved back to Edmonton. But, uh, yeah, so we've, uh, world travelers, we are, so, but yeah, I always hear that. Remember okay. that happened? Remember that happened? One time there was yelling, this guy was yelling at my younger boy, calling him a goon. And, and I was like, I turn around, and I'm like, shut the, f-, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're a clown. And he's like, what do you think I went through with you? <laughs> and I was like, and some of the memories you don't remember, like uh, with youth hockey and People get a little crazy and stuff you don't uh, totally recall. And then there was a, sorry, I know I'm just starting off on a story, but uh, in your podcast, you know, I just remember good. the one time when body contact started, I was playing two or three years up and it was at the South side Arena, the old South side athletic Club Arena. And, you know, I hit a kid, it was a clean hit and laid him out. And dad came on the ice, like, tried to fight me. And the coach <laughs> was like, oh, shit, like, am I allowed to swear on this? Some of these yeah, yeah, guys, yeah go, okay, ahead, go I, ahead. I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? And then uh, the coach <laughs> was like, oh, God, what, like, Jesus Christ! Like no one really knew what to do. And I was holding my stick. Like I don't know if I got a tomahawk on my will. And so my dad jumped out of the stands and picked him up by the throat. And he goes, "You never get to my son again. I'll fucking kill you." And I was like, "Ooh, I do boy, dad." And then you know, get in the car. And he's like, "Not a word of this to your mother." Want a Slurpee? And I was like, Sure. And I was like twelve or something. I don't know. So I just like memories like that come back. And so, anyways, yeah. And then some of the things happened. And like people were crazy. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. We remember went through that. And yeah, yeah, remember this. Remember that. And yeah, you're. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, I never got new skates. So I was like, whatever. He's like, no, you had new skates. Yeah, Cause, your feet were, were, Cause your feet were so big and we couldn't find you skates. So I was like, okay, fine.
2: Yeah. You, you must've, uh, like, when did you get really big? Like as, as a kid, like I remember the, the one kid that f- the, was the first big kid, uh, that I grew up with and he, he was so dominant, uh, because he was so big. Were yeah. you always bigger than everybody else? Yes. Like that 13, 12. Except when
1: I was born. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, yeah. I look back, I found um, some of my mother, God rest her souls, like she kept everything and and uh, my parents, like all the little snippets and different stuff. But she kept all my report cards. Oh, yeah. And everyone thought because I was bigger, I was, you know, you because you're big and you're physical, you're a goon. That's right. And I'm just, was just big and strong. And I love playing hockey and I love playing ball. Like I played everything. <laughs> And, you know, you're just, uh you were a goon or you were mean or you're a bully just because, like, I competed. Like, I would do anything to win. I would trip you. I'd trip my grandmother to win. Right. Like, I'd, I'd throw an elbow. Like, and I wasn't a dirty player, but I remember, like, so I was going through one night because uh, we recently moved and we had boxes and stuff. Like, we moved three times in Tampa within, like, a two-mile radius, which was <laughs> kind of stupid, but whatever. You got to be in the right school zone. So, anyways, um <clears throat> excuse me. So, we uh, – so I found uh, my old report cards so she kept every year and everything. And it was, she kept like all the stats. So yeah, I had 32 points in basketball, but it was always the fouls. Like only had two fouls. Only oh, had one foul. Cause good. she was keeping track of that. Cause she was very, like my mother was a very slight lady. She was maybe 95 pounds soaking wet, mm-hmm. and, but she got into it a couple of times with parents in the stands cause they're screaming at me and stuff and just, you know, whatever, but she kept all those stuff, like all those things and so anyway, so I found a couple old pictures and so I started posting, I don't know if you've seen, but, uh, I like to have a little fun cause I sell gloves for steel gloves, Right. if you need impact safety gloves, stealth gloves, there's there a couple plugs. What's the website? www.stoutgloves.com. So we sell, yeah, for oil and gas and like, you know, workers, eh, just everything, you know what I mean? So that's my little plug there. I don't want to sell too much, but uh, youth hockey is expensive. So yeah. buy some gloves, <laughs> <No kidding. laughs> buy gloves, buy gloves. Anyways, where was it? Um. What was I even talking You're about? You're talking about
2: uh, fouls, and uh, oh, okay. she kept track of fouls.
1: Okay, so anyway, so uh, so I like to use social media a little bit, just when I was doing radio in Tampa, and, and I learned, you know, like when you post, how you post, and just whatever. I don't even follow those guidelines all the time, but I learned this thing how to do uh, a poll on Facebook, right? So every day I try and post something, and I'm never one of those guys where, oh yeah, i was so proud of little. Jimmy or little Mikey, sorry, excuse me. Uh, you know, I had two goals. I never post points. Right. A couple of times I wanted to, cause I got a little pissy and I just wanted to be a dick and, oh yeah, so proud of my boy. He had three goals and two is like, you know, screw you kind of, but I, I just like, I'm proud of my kids. Everybody is, but I just don't usually post, uh, points or stats or any of that stuff. But anyway, so. I use it as a means just to keep in touch with people and just, you know, I'm having a I'm having a girl, God rest my soul. <laughs> All my jokes over the years, it's, I'm having a daughter next Monday, so Congrats. That's ah, great. I'm excited. I, I like having kids cuz then I can continue to act like infantile <laughs> and make jokes, but every dick joke I made along the way, I think it's going to everyone's back. like, "Yeah, you're going to love." It. I'm I am going to love it. But anyways, so going back to uh going through my due to concussions, my brain jumps around quite a bit. So going back, so I'm looking through all this stuff when we moved back and so I found all these report cards and pictures and stuff and I'm looking at these pictures and I was like, I knew I was big, like I knew it was bigger, mm-hmm. like I grew early and but I was like, Jesus Christ, like I was friggin' like, like <laughs> yeah. out of place big. So I found this uh, basketball <laughs> photo and we won the city championships. I, I think, I don't know, we won a tournament or something, but there's like, I'm sitting there and I literally have like size 11 shoes. <laughs> And there's a kid on my team who's like, goes up to my waist, maybe. Like, 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 Whoa. F- I didn't even have big calves, like, but my legs were like, you know, my arms were the size of some of these other kids' legs. And they go, okay, yeah, maybe it was really that big. So I think, like, grade, I was always big. And then I just remember, like, grade five, grade six, I hit like 5'11, mm-hmm. something like that. And then I was like, okay, yeah. And then, you know, you're growing hair in places and yeah. people are making fun of you calling you hairy Balls. Like, you called me Harry Balls. <laughs> and you realize it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing. And then, was that you know, a nickname that
2: uh, followed you around? No, uh, that, balls? no that lasted
1: until I got in one fight and then that was the. Uh, that was it, eh?
2: nobody calls you Harry Balls. No, anymore?
1: then it went to Dinger and then Dish or the Dish Man. So, but yeah, so anyways, I was, uh, I was quite a bit bigger than most people. And, uh, but I was like, you know, you, you have memories of stuff and you don't remember. It's been great coming back because I always had to, I've kept the same group of friends since like I got a friend of mine that, uh, I always give her a hard time cause I tried to date her like in grade six or seven and we're all like my wife and I, we're all really good friends now and I kind of joke around, but we're like, I've kept the same group of friends and I'm really proud of that cause you know, some guys turn into dicks when they get a little, uh, success and I really tried not to. And I mean, right. sometimes you can be an arrogant asshole and sometimes, you know, you have to be a little bit cause you got you need to be confident even though you know how athletes were some of the most insecure people. Cause you're one shift away from being on lineup and another shift away from right. being sent down to the minors. So, uh, but I always kept the same group of friends and it's just interesting talking to them and getting their perspective on stuff too, where, you know, how was this and how did this go down? you have an opinion or <clears throat> kind of like how it went? And then you got to hear their version of it. You're like, okay. But you know, one thing was certain is it, uh, I was a really big kid and I was really physical playing sports and I liked it. I loved it. And, you know my kids have a little bit of me in both of them, but uh they're their own people, and like it's so my it's funny, my younger guy's always played up too, like he's always played with his older brother, and he's gotten run over and he's never laid on the ice but he'll come off the ice cry, like if you're gonna you wanna play on your brother's team, man That's you can't right. lay you know you can't be a put, you can't lay on the ice like and he never has and and then so like they're calling him a goon, like this one instance, and I know like I'd love to say the guy's name, but I won't just, but he runs a. He runs an organization, which he's a good, throw him out. I go, for what? Having the puck? Because he literally had the puck half the game. And the other coach is F-bombing him, yelling to play the body. And the kid got hurt trying to hit him. I'm like, what are you crying for? You tried to hit him. He had the puck.
2: Yeah, it's not
1: his fault. I turn around. Shut the fuck up. I'm like, you're a clown. Like, I'll give you the first. Like, I'm sitting there. My mother-in-law's there and my father-in-law. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then the worst part is my Pee-wee team's there. And my son was affiliated with my Pee-wee team. And, like, so, like, great, like, super nice kids, like, uh, Dancer acne's kid, who was awesome kid, was there. And, and they loved having my younger boy, like, in their chair, like, go, sorry! So, the more the parents were screaming and, like, the, the veracity on the other, whatever, like, they're just ferocious on the other side. He was there, like, go, sir, go! And they are like, staring at the I'm, like, guys, don't do that. Like, but they loved it. So, it was really... That was like a proud dad, kind of proud coach moment. Cause I really, when I coach, I really try to stress team, mm-hmm. team, family, you know, work for each other. And so that was like an instance of, uh, you know, going back to when I was like, what do you think we went through with you, son? And what do you think? And there's a couple of times I think we almost got Lynch going out of arenas, but games changed a little bit. It's more of a skill game. Um,
2: okay. So full disclosure, uh, I grew up in, uh, Brandon. Um, went to high school, uh, at Crocus when you were there, yeah. I was not, I did not like you when you came to Brandon for the most juvenile of reasons. So we used to billet Weekings. Kings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew who wore 22 before you got to Brandon, but his name was Kevin Robertson. Okay, He billeted at my house and uh, I thought he was a God. So you come into Brandon, you wear 22. I'm like, who's this new guy taking my billets number? So you hated me.
1: I didn't like you at first. Do you know why I wore 22? Why? Because I got a piece of paper and I got to choose a number, or I gave a couple of number options and I went with 22 or 69. <laughs> It's still this and, day, and night, my kids are younger, and they're like, well, how come no one wears 69? I'm like, yeah, he'll figure it out when yeah. you're a little older. But so Kelly McCrimmon was old school. And so Kelly's like, yeah. you're not wearing that. There's no they, fucking chance. You're yeah. wearing 69. So. They don't
2: wear numbers higher than like still don't. Yeah, like 30 or 20, 29, I think, is the highest. Two of-
1: through, yeah, like 33, maybe, yeah. 35 for the goalies. I like that, too. Like, you know, obviously, you have teams like, you know, Montreal and Toronto. You have these teams that have so many retired numbers, so you got to, like, mm-hmm. You just, you can't, unless you're going to let guys wear retired numbers, which is kind of defeats the purpose. Right. You know, I I like the old school. I'm an old school guy still. And like the game's changed, but it hasn't changed that much because you watch St. Louis and how they won and (laughs) they played a hard nose straight ahead, physical game, but they had skill and the, you know, same thing for teams that won in the past, but I like that old school mentality. and. You know, I really appreciated my time and Brandon. like when I got traded I wanted to quit hockey but uh it was four of the best years of my life and it was awesome and it taught you how to work hard and life wasn't going to be easy or fair and but I just like how they you know like Darren Richie my old line mate he's the GM there now yeah. so I was going through with my younger boy for a tournament in Winnipeg and we stopped through and he took us for a little tour and it was great just to show my boy like my older boy hasn't been back in a long time but it was really neat, and I just like how they keep, they still run things the same. Like mm-hmm. Dilly's still in the office. And, Great guy. You know, like Kelly's uh, Kelly's kids and his wife are running things, and I just like that uh, that family mentality, and it's just, it's still old school, and that's, you know, you can change things, but hockey's a game where, you know, you look at Antonio Brown and some of that shit he was doing in the NFL, like, oh, I'm free, and I'm free, and I just, I try to post stuff sometimes, but I saw myself, always wait, because it's always, you always like, don't want to do something because maybe it's a good idea. You think it's a good idea, but it's not. But right. I'm like, you just pissed away $90 million around. I'm free. Insane. I'm free. And I'm like, John Gruden, who's actually a good guy who I met of my times in Tampa and <clears throat> this guy's calling you to say, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, what can we do for And you're recording them, which is illegal in some states. Yeah. And so you do all that and you're like, I'm free, I'm free. And then you go to another team, like the reclamation project of, uh, the Patriots, if you, you know, people hate the Patriots for this or that, but you know, Bill Belichick doesn't screw around, and Tom Brady. If you Brady, can't fit in that
2: system, you have a problem.
1: But that's why it works, because this is the way we do things. If you don't right. like it, fuck off. See you yeah. later. Bye bye. And if yeah. you want to win, and you're going to have a good opportunity to win, that's why it's worked. Is it, you know, Randy Moss or you know any of those guys that are perceived to be, and they might not even be. They just right. might have been in the wrong situation, or, you know, to be honest, you've never been held accountable. Like you go to college, and you're a good player, and you're you got a job at a dealership with yeah. a you know with a sponsor, or if you want to call him or a booster. And you don't really have to show up for said job or whatever. And Somebody's all, taking
2: your classes for you uh, sometimes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And like you, you got, yeah. And you got a, you got a tutor and then, yeah, doing your homework for you. And like, there's some guys that aren't like that. Everything's like that. But then all of a sudden you're held to the standard where you got to listen. You got to do this stuff. You're like, well, what do you mean? I've never had to do this. So, you know, I just like, yeah, I like, that's what I like about the sport of hockey and and just the way it is, is there's still that accountability. And I've met a lot of guys over the years, and like Larry Walker and Mike Lansing. I'm not trying to name drop it mm-hmm. all I'm Todd Helm. Just my times But those Denver. are good people. <laughs> great guys. Like, they're doing um, spring training in Phoenix. And we had a game, and they come meet us for beers. And mm-hmm. I'm 23 years old, I think. Or, and these guys, like Larry Walker, I went to a Celine Dion concert, which is a great story. We can talk about that later. But, you know, I'm having beers with Larry Walker. And I'd rather shoot myself in the face than go to a Celine Dion concert. But the whole team was going because of the first event at the Pepsi Center. And... You know, well, you got to go, I guess. So anyways, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I like hockey. So the thing with hockey and baseball's got a little bit of this is that you're together all the time and there's that accountability But you maybe don't have in football because, you know, I'm talking to guys, you know, the linemen, offensive linemen hang out together and the quarterback a little bit and the offensive guys and yeah. the defensive guys and the specialists. So everyone's kind of in their own little, it's not a fraction or a faction, but it's just the way it is. Their there's own this, group. Yeah. There's 53, 60 guys plus your practice guys, wherever it may be. So you just can't have everybody together. It's not that we're in hockey. Like you go to, Brand, like when I went to Brandon and you know, if you're cocky, you're acting like a dickhead, you're getting flex on your jock or you're getting shaving cream in your gloves or your shoes every day. And, and I just remember that. And I did that, I did that to guys too. Nothing, nothing bad, but I just say to the guy like, listen, you're acting like a dick, mm-hmm. like you're not that good. Like you pay your dues kind of thing. Like this can change. Or this can stay the same. It's up to you. Probably Just the same it. thing
2: happened when you got there. Is not that you were acting like that, but you
1: you, you come in and, and you
2: get in the kind of the pecking order of of you know rookies to learn from the veterans, right?
1: <laughs> well, I was on a line with Mike Dubinsky, who I think was a sixth overall mm-hmm. pick in the Bantam draft, and Colin Cluchoe. I think was a third overall pick, and I was the eleventh. So we we're pretty good players, <laughs> and we're all six. <clears throat> Mike was 2". I don't know, whatever, 205 or something as a 16-year-old. Myself and Colin Cloutier, we're 6'3", yeah. 226. So we could all play, and then, you know, you learn how to fight, and I'd already been in a couple fights playing midget. <clears throat> and, you know, we're on the fourth line because that's what you did. Yeah. You paid your dues. You started on the fourth line, and that's and you just shut your mouth. Yeah. But the only thing we would do is, like, you know, they didn't have TV timeouts, but anytime there's a whistle or something, we hadn't played in a while, we'd go on the ice, we'd do, like, two hard laps. Yeah. And then rip right back to the bench and like Bobby Lowe's be looking at us like, what the frig are you guys doing? <laughs> I was kind of drawing attention to the fact that we hadn't played in a while. Right. And we're just trying to get our legs going, but just a little, it kind of to be dicks a little bit, but you yeah. know, we're ready coach. <laughs> yeah. I think we we should probably be on the third line, but you know, you, you paid your dues and yeah. that's just uh, what you did. You carried the stick bag and you carried the bags, you carried the skate sharpener and it's life lesson stuff. I tell my kids this now, like, just, like even the kids I coach, like some parents are like, oh, you're too hard on them and all this. And I'm like, I'm not asking them to do something they can't do. I'm not asking them to go end to end. I'm not asking mm-hmm. them to toe drag three guys. I'm asking them to listen and work hard. This is what I want you to do. I want Buy you to in. play. Yeah. You play your position if you're a right winger or whatever. You get in the offensive zone below the top circle, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But the rest is like, you're. it's my ice. It's my way. And if you don't like it, tough. Because you're going to have a boss or I'm going to have a boss. And, you know, I work with family. So, you know, working with your wife and your brother-in-law is pretty good for the most part. And some days it's a little difficult <laughs> when you don't agree, but... You know, it's just a life thing. You have people that you have to listen to. And maybe don't agree with it, but what are you going to do? You got to show up on time. Yeah. So it's it's just like I love sports. I love hockey, where you can't be saved. Like your your parents can't go and save you. And. You know, Chris isn't playing enough. Like Kelly, Chris isn't playing enough. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, okay, you fine, yeah, beat it. All right, bye-bye.
2: <laughs> you imagine somebody calling, uh, a parent calling Kelly <clears throat> to Oh to Complaining about ice time? Yeah. Um, if you want to come
1: pick him up right yeah. now here? Yeah, how long does it take you to drive here? You're in Edmonton. You can get here in 10 and a half yeah, hours.
2: Exactly. <laughs> See you later. So if they were going to retire 22 in Brandon. I've
1: oh, already had this conversation. You did. Yeah.
2: You or Jordan Tutu?
1: Well, we kinda talked about it and uh we would have both our names. Okay. We agreed to that. We went back for the Memorial Cup and I dropped the puck and you know, it's like you don't think people remember and so I went back and dropped the puck and got a standing ovation. I almost started crying to be honest. With yeah. you. It was like, holy crap, man, these people remember. So, and then people like, like, they don't understand, like you had an influence on a lot of these people, just the way you played and like that time, cause we went from being like the worst team the year 11 before.
2: wins the year before <clears> you got there.
1: Yeah. So we had the biggest points turnaround, like yeah. 75 points with, I mean, Marty Murray was a great player, Darren Richie and going yeah. down line, Trevor Robbins and
2: Bobby Lowe's or, uh, yeah. Bobby <clears throat> House rather. Yeah, I was uh, like
1: first year Mike Manila, Kolsar, mm-hmm. Gil Whitechuck. I've run into him a couple of times. Trevor
2: Robbins was your goalie. Yeah,
1: Robbins was a good guy.
2: <laughs> he faced a lot of rubber. Yeah. yeah,
1: so good. He was tough too, man. He could fight. <laughs> but um, yeah, so a lot of great players. But yeah, we had that conversation. So it was, uh, and we just joked around with the toots. He's like, okay, fine, both our names. Who name, yeah. Whose name goes on top? And I was like, I don't know. I had 41. How many do you have? And he's like, oh, I think he had 50 here Really? He? I don't know. I uh, I just remember I got to 40. Forty and forty three and yep. uh, sixty six and I had two hundred and something minutes and I remember they last I remember getting to forty because we had Brian McCabe. And Cabers a good guy and I called him like well, I had a nickname he called me Horsehead and I called him something a little derogatory but he's a good guy and we'd all work out and and he's at nineteen as a defenseman and we're playing uh, Medicine Hat I think it was Rocky Thompson mm-hmm. was there and <clears throat> I'm at thirty nine. So he's not passing. We get a power play. Right first score, power yeah. play. And like, yeah, that far. He's like just teeing up clappers. I'm like, Dick, pass the puck bad. He's like, nope. Until I get. It. so then as soon as he scored, he scored like end of the first or second period or something. And then <clears throat> he's like, all right, I can pass to you. We're good. And I'm like, you're a dick. So then like on the bench, and Bobby Lowe, like I didn't know at the time, but like Big Johnny was a good guy. And Bobby Lowe was like, he's like, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think Dinger's going to get it. Because it was like getting into the third period and I'm still. And then I'll never forget. I was going to get, we're on the power play and I'm in the corner, and battling. Darren Richie goes, uh, Hey, dang, it, dang it right here. I go, no, watch this. I walked out of the corner, low blocker scored and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to watch this. And I was like, I just felt like I was going to score. Like, cause I couldn't trust that I was going to pass and somebody get it back. But all joking aside, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, to get to 40 was uh was a huge thing. It's a milestone, whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, I did score 40 because, yeah, well, because you get to the NHL and everyone's like, oh, you're a goon and, you know, you're this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but I could still play. Mm-hmm. But when you get to that level, everybody's good. So, yeah, do you want to be a goal scorer in the American Hockey League or, you know, do you want to, you know, uh, score in Europe or do you want to fight in the NHL? Right. It was a simple choice for me when I went to, yeah, after everyone got fired in Calgary and I went to Colorado and, Michelle Goulet is like, you know, dinger, a uh, dish, there's a great opportunity for you here. <laughs> um, I'm, I have my French accent's a little rough, but you know, it's like, you know, we need a guy like you, we need a physical guy, there's a chance. You can you come to camp in shape. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. done. So I came to camp and was in good shape and there's myself and Audgers and Parker and <clears throat> people don't understand like guys and like, how can you fight a guy? And you know, this like George LaRock, like a uh, great guy, you know, this. You know, you fight guys, and you just know it's your job, so <clears throat> you got to do it. And I remember lining up uh, Ajie. lined up against Ajie in Camp, and I was like, "He's weak, King." And I was like, "Hey, Wheaties." You he's like, yeah. "I said, Ajie, can you fight or not?" And like, and he's like, "No, I can fight." I'm like, "You sure?" Because I know he didn't want to. He was like, "And he, Ajie, wasn't a big guy, but he fought all the heavies and." He was awesome. So he's like, yeah, we can fight. So we fight. And I was like, hey, after we're icing down the, in the training room, I was like, thanks, buddy. He's like, no problem. I know what it was like, you know, I was a kid like you once. And then I fought Parker like four or five times at camp too. So anyways, but yeah, it was like, you're a goon or you're this mm-hmm. or that. I'm like, no, I just would rather play with Peter Forsberg and Joe Sakic. <laughs> no kidding. You know, I got it. It was like, I had eight goals one year, my first year there. You know, playing, uh, I think I averaged like five and a half minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Cause Bob Harley didn't like, he's going to play his guys, you know, mm-hmm. play my best. And he's killing these guys. Like Joe Sack is one of the best conditioned athletes in the world, Ray Bork. And, you know, I never forget Ray Bork when he came to us and you know, he could still play 20, 30 minutes, but like we call the timeout we're we're up against Detroit in the playoffs. And we got Adam Foote and Rob Blake and Ray Bork and Skoula and Hayduke and Aaron, uh, no, we traded Aaron Miller by that, that point. And, um, well, so Greg DeVries, mm-hmm. like we had good D. And we call timeouts so we keep Ray Bork that. He's dying. Like, so what he had this thing, he'd come to and when I say dying, because he's forty-one years old and he's playing yeah. friggin' 30 minutes. I couldn't do that. I'd friggin' have a heart attack and cramp sees up and so he'd come to the bench and he'd have his hands on his knees and like uh Jacques Cooch always give him the bubba Are you okay? And he'd do the shake his head or not. and he shook yeah. his head, so he called a timeout, and like and they're like all the other guys deal, like, Jesus Christ, we put <laughs> someone else <laughs> out <on> there, yeah. <laughs> like how about Adam Foote and Rob Blake or I don't know, <laughs> like take your like anyways. Um yeah. John Clem, maybe <laughs> he's a yeah, pretty no, good team.
2: Anybody that, uh, yeah. can take a shift 2010 Memorial Cup in Brandon. Um, I, I had this absolute mm-hmm. pleasure of, of watching a couple of games with Marty Murray and just, we just sat there and uh, I, got, I got to know him a little bit in, in high school. Uh, as I said, <laughs> when we had a billet, I, I knew some of the players, so I got to know Marty and obviously he's my age and I watched him growing up. So watching games and just chatting with him was great. Mm-hmm. You got to play with that guy yeah. who is... You know, one of the best weekings of all time. Uh, yeah. I, were you Marty and Richie aligned in your <clears throat>
1: my third year? Third
2: yeah. year, like you know, just you know, Marty Murray. I think uh, I always feel bad when guys don't make it like they should have. Um, yeah. What What do you remember about playing with Marty? What was, What was that like? What was it like for your career?
1: Well, it was it kind of sucked in practice, to be honest with you, because I never touched the puck. <laughs> 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 well, and Darren Richie got hired, and they did a video of, uh, kind of his, you know, congratulations, Darren Richie, new general manager, the Brandon Wheat Kings and blah, blah, blah. And they showed the video. So I was watching the video and I'd screenshot. I was like, is that me? And I'm like, yeah. So I circled it, started circling the screenshots of the pictures and it was, everyone was me going to the net and Richie passing to Marty or vice versa. And there was one where like I passed him or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I sent him a note. I was like, just, just mess around. I'm like, congrats on the new gig, whatever. And I'm like, you don't think you could have passed me once. He's like, well, look, you had two or <laughs> three guys on you. You open up the ice. And they were really appreciative, but like in, in practice, I don't know how many times I had a shot like just off the back of the calf and I was like, Rich, you fuck, like Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry, dear. Sorry. You know, whatever. But, uh, like just all kidding aside, like two really good guys. Um, great line mates. I knew what my role was. Uh, my role is create space and go in the corners, but I could score and I could pass mm-hmm. and, You know, we had this play on the power play where I'd just pop out in the goal line and I'd get Marty pass it down and I'd take one step and fire it across and Rich would just tap it in back door and he must've scored like 15 or 20 that way. And just great players, great guys. And I remember uh, the year before I was playing with them, there was a brawl in Regina and they were on the ice. And so at the end of the game, the buzzer goes and there's line brawl. And so Clucci and I jump over the boards and Bobby was like, you're not going anywhere. And we're like, you know, yeah. (laughs) and back then it was the first guy off the bench got suspended. Everyone else was good. And they had this European guy, Petruik or something, or something like that, a Czech guy. Well, he just jumps on the ice. So I'm like, okay. Bobby's like, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> so I go grab like the guy that had Richie. I'm like, you you know, I grab him. He goes, no, I got this. So I lock his arms up and he's like, hey, you're not so tough now, huh? You fucking pussy. <laughs> and he's like pounding him. And then, so I grab Marty's guy and hold him <laughs> and he tees off and he's like, yeah, hey, how you like that? Huh? How you like that? And I, anyways, long story so I, I don't know. I think I knocked out like four or five guys and. <laughs> ref was trying to, the linesman was trying to slew foot me. I elbowed him, knocked him down, and things got settled down. We're going off the ice, and the guy spit on me, so I punched him. Oh. We go into the stands, and Regina was tough because you get there, they had that little separation, so Bobby right. Lowe's goes in the stands, so we're going in there. Uh, long story short, I got one game, and Bobby Lowe's got one game. For that, I, it was ridiculous. I, it went totally cuckoo. That was one of the times, like, I had a bad temper when I was younger, and I don't anymore. I've learned now. Wow. You know, but whatever. And I was like, that was... Like you, I would've got like a lifetime ban. Yeah. Like, and then the next practice I broke three sticks and I was like, the hell man, what's wrong with my sticks? And just that big Johnny, <laughs> our assistant coach Mark goes, Johnson. yeah, Johnny goes, what do you think I was hitting the fans with? They're trying to come over. <laughs> so he's Tomahawk and the fans are, and my dad was in the stands Marty Murray's dad are in the stands and they're fighting. And then we, so we were going back through to Winnipeg and Darren Richie's, you know, taking us to the tour. And we're talking. And he's telling my son. He's like, you don't know, your dad was pretty tough. He was a so little crazy. We had some brawls, and there was this one time Regina, and, and then Rick Dillabo goes, you know what? I never heard this story before because it's funny. And Dilly's a great guy, like awesome, really, dude. really good awesome. guy. And he's very quiet, but he's funny. And he goes, you know, what's kind of funny about that? He's like, they never shut the concessions down. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, literally, the game, excuse me, the game's over, and guys are going up and buying a buying a pop or a soda, whatever, depending mm-hmm. on if you're Canada or U.S. And they go up and they buy a soda just so they could come down and throw it at you guys. He's like, I've never seen anything. Like, I don't know what the concession sales were, and I was like, I've actually never heard that. So I was wondering, because like, what kind of man throws? Yeah. Like you're 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 trying to spit on, and you're throwing batteries. Like where are you finding batteries? Like this is this is like '93 or something. So weird. There was the portable walkmans and stuff, but where are you finding AA batteries and C batteries? Like everything's you plug it in, you recharge it, but. Yeah, it was a different time. So that was here year before, but playing uh kind of, I know I'm rambling on, jumping before, but. So the, like I knew they were good guys and they would fight. Like Marty would fight. Like hmm. Richie would fight. They weren't good at it, but that you had to fight. Like it was just you, everybody did. You had to have one or, like even your skill guys had like four or five fights a year because you, someone would go after you and you just had to stick up for yourself. It was right. a different time. And I really appreciated those guys for that. And then when I played with them, no one was touching them. My third year, I mean, there was. I mean, left in league at that time, there was like McAllister, Belak, and um, <clears throat> the Rocky Thompson, and there wasn't really, other than that, there was a couple other guys, but really those were the guys like out east and I'd already fought my draft drafter. I fought Belak like five times or something mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. So it was like, you kind of already established yourself, but like, and no one touched those guys. If anybody touched them, I remember like Brad Symes, like know god rest his soul like i there was one he touched one of them. i grabbed him i must have punched him like 30 times i was just teeing off on him and he wasn't even punching anymore i was like fine this is done but like i knew my job with them and they were just good guys and marty like he's a, like you're saying like before is it like he's a guy that should have played yeah like he should have played 600 or if he was,
2: if he was if he was today yeah. he'd be playing
1: yeah but he got drafted by calgary and he was Marty St. Louis before Marty St. Louis, right. and a lot of yeah. people maybe don't know that. I'm not discrediting Marty St. Louis, but you know, if it wasn't for Craig Button, uh, Craig Button's a great guy, but he always says, you know, right, you know, he bought out Marty St. Louis, and that was the best thing for Marty St. Louis because Marty St. Louis went to mm-hmm. Tampa and they had a bunch of injuries and got a chance to play Freddie Modine, Brad Richards, and Torrell. Once he got something in his head, he liked it, and good on Marty because he worked his uh, Marty St. Louis, that is, mm-hmm. uh, worked his butt off. And Marty Murray, you know, he had opportunities and. But it was just at that time, if you're in Calgary, they wanted big guys mm-hmm. and Sandy McCarthy and myself. And, you know, everyone was drafting in the first round. If you weren't over 6'1", 6'2", you weren't really getting drafted in the first round. And so I was kind of, uh, that was like, you know, I kind of feel like I feel bad not that I should feel bad because Marty still had a good career and- He's doing a good you know, uh, even, <clears throat> job in Minot now. Yeah, he's doing a great job because you can tell he's a good hockey mind, but even- you know, when he was playing in Philly and stuff, he was still making good money. So they had an appreciation for him and what he was doing. So even he was up and down a little bit. So he wasn't on a one-way. So he did make, you know, I guess the one solace and is that he did make uh, NHL money for some years. Mm-hmm. And But that was, again, that was a guy that, you know, was a total pad, big legs, like huge legs. and So smart. And just a smart player, yeah. Just at that time, he was just a couple years maybe too early. Like if he was coming out now, like he'd be your... Jonathan Taze, mm-hmm. you know, but he still had a good career and nice family and uh, same wife, Andrea. So, I mean, good for him. He just got inducted in, I think it was in the Manitoba yeah. Hall of Fame. So,
2: you know, it's weird. No. Trevor Kidd and him went in at the same time and they were traded for each other. Like, that's the trade that turned around the Week Kings. Trevor Kidd goes to Spokane. They win a <laughs> Memorial Cup. Marty comes to Brandon. Oh, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. And they uh, both went into the uh, Hall remember, of Fame. Yeah. Cause I remember Kidder was in, uh, I remember he was in Brandon and he was getting like, Pumped like cool. 50 shots a game or yeah. something. That's why Calgary. he went so high in the draft. Yeah, because he's getting like 50. Yeah, they were terrible. I know. And then he got to Calgary and it just didn't. Yeah. Thousand Islands and shut her down. That was just saying every day, pregame, you know, <laughs> hey, buddy, he's a good guy too. Just, they never know like when kids are younger and how it's going to pan out yeah. and, you know, whatever. And you look back, even I look back and what if this would happen, that would happen. And, you know, because you almost make the flames. Like, so Marty's a guy that should have played and could have played. And now, yeah. I was the last cut as an 18, 19 year old. And I wanted to go back to junior. Like my 19 hmm. year old year, I did. Like I was calling Kelly and saying, What's going on? Are they keeping me? Or are they not? And not that I didn't want to play in the NHL, but sure. I was a little scared because you go from living with billets to by yourself and you're not really sure. You know, and it was going back was great. But then the next year, they, everyone got fired. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey, can you come to camp under 230? Sure, come to camp. It's, I think it was like 227 or 228. I was like seven and a half, eight percent body fat and first cut. See you later. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <clears throat> Cause they, they, you know, you have a yeah. new GM and you have a new, new coach, a new scouting staff. All and new they, attitudes. And well, no, opinions. it's just you know, who's, no one's arguing for you. Mm-hmm. No one's fighting for you. That's Cause right. you know, like as a GM, if I'm, um, you know, Ken Holland and I draft Chris Dingman, Chris Dingman better make it or I look, I don't look good. That's right. You know, and the same for the scouts. So they're fighting for you and you learn these things when you get like later in life and you get older that you know, you need that guy fighting for you. And mm-hmm. so I got sent down and then in preseason I was leading scorer and had Paul Baxter, who was just a total dick and just, you know, born again, but smoked and drank and you know, whatever. And just, just whatever, I didn't play at all. And I mm-hmm. asked if I could go back to junior, call Kelly, I'm like, could I come back? Cause I wasn't playing. And he was like, and at the end of the year, he says, to my wife. My then girlfriend at the time, she'd come down, like go to school for half a year and then come live with me. And she's like, and he goes, that was the best thing for him. I'm like, what to not play? Yeah. Like I barely played. And then all of a sudden, like Jamie Hislop or one of the PR guys, or not PR guys, but player development guys, PD guys, they'd come down all of a sudden I'm on the second line. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <clears throat> I'll never forget. There was one time Sheldon Surrey was a good guy too. And he uh I tried to dump a puck and, like right off my ankle. And I thought I broke it. And I was like, Oh my god, geez, like just dying, like, and you know, I take my skate off, foot throb, it just yeah. swells up. And so I think it was Jeff Ferry's assistant coach, was like, hey, can you play back? She wants to know if you can play, can you play? So I'm ice and ice, and I'm like, yeah. And I'll play through anything. Like mm-hmm. I took a slap shot. My last regular season game, I took a slap shot off my nose, came back, scored Jeez. the game, went in goal, finished first. And yeah, I'll play through anything. Like you name it, um, stitches, dislocated fingers. Like you can see my yeah. hands are a little messed up, <clears throat> but anyways. So I was like, can you, can you play, you know, back, she wants to know if you can play. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can play. So I dress. I don't play shift. <clears throat> I sit there the whole game, my foot's robbing. I like, oh my God, I want to kill him. Like, I just like, why do that? Like just a total dick mm-hmm. move. But anyways, so yeah, he was, uh, that was interesting.
2: Uh, you guys went to two Memorial Cups in Brandon. Um, I had Joaquin Gage in here and he talked about how he hated playing those Kamloops guys because they were so good and so cocky. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, we talked to Wade Redden a while ago, who who also said, he he wanted to go back, and he was glad he went back to Brandon, and in when he could have stayed on the island because he knew he wasn't ready. So it's yeah. an interesting philosophy. But um, it's amazing the the franchise and Brandon has not won a Memorial Cup. Uh, you guys had two chances, uh, yeah. two really good teams. Uh, what what do you think didn't go right at those Memorial Cups? Uh, you know, Kamloops was a bit of a juggernaut
1: the one year. Goaltending, yeah. <clears throat> to be honest with you, because we had. I think Pennstock was our guy.
2: Iron Pennstock, yep.
1: And then uh, he struggled a little bit. I think we went to Brian Elder, the 17-year-old. And <clears throat> I got hurt, actually. So I got hurt game three, I think it was, against Moose Jaw. I hit a guy, and Darren Ritchie, fell on me I tore my MCL. Oh. So I didn't miss the rest of the playoffs. So I actually went back to Edmonton and rehabbed my knee and then came back for the Memorial Cup. And I wasn't ready, but I... You know my knee wasn't solid, but I was playing, and mm-hmm. Mark Johnson would skate with me. You know, skate me privately, and you know and I came back and played, and but that was the difference in goaltending. Like they were a good team, but we could play with them. But it, so I remember that. Well, that one we got to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. I think we were playing in the Junior Red Wings or something, yeah. and we outshot them forty-two twenty-one and lost two-one. So and then they got pounded. Like Cam was just killed them. So. You know, it's a one game series in the Memorial Cup, which is, which, which makes it such a hard tournament to mm-hmm. win. And, you know, but we'd already played it like Camelipson league finals, but goaltending was definitely different. So that time was, you know, I would have liked another shot at him. and Strud's and I had fight, Strud's a good guy. So, mm-hmm. but we'd fight and I used to throw him around a little bit and <laughs> then he got bigger, stronger, and then we'd have good fights. But anyways, you know, it's just life. And then we see each other. Now he's a mm-hmm. good guy. Like we dude. Jerome was in town when him and I and Jason Holland and noodles and uh, Jamie Clennon. sorry. Uh, you know, you get back together with these guys and they all good guy, like we're like you know, I talked to Struds about this. What do you think about this and what do you think about that? And he asked me stuff and anyways. So then the next year we same thing, we get to the semifinals, we're playing Peterborough and Peterborough, we're up three nothing. Get eight straight penalties, it was four three. <clears throat> I got a penalty at two minute pounds as a captain and I went over the ref just to talk to him. He's like, Oh teed me up and I'm like Seriously? Yeah, I didn't even like I wasn't even yelling at him. Like I knew at that point I was an idiot. I wasn't gonna scream at him and it was just it was embarrassing and I guess Kelly had gone in the press box, went over and grabbed the head of officiating by the throat or something. It was just, cause it was that bad, like nothing against Peterborough, but, and then they went to the finals, they yeah. played Granby and that's when Granby traded for all those guys. Like half, the, that was the three brothers or whatever. And they trade all their guys to whatever team was the strongest team and they had the rock and guys like that. So, I mean, that's, it's disappointing because you talked to guys like it was Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun, mm-hmm. I did uh he did like a, where are they now following up with guys, which mm-hmm. was really cool. And, <clears throat> to be involved with that. And, you know, he asked about that. And I was like, yeah, I was disappointed. It was, disappointing. He goes, you know, it's funny. Every guy I talked to on those teams like that, that one especially, like, that's the one thing they wish they could do over or change or something. But mm-hmm. it makes you a better person. You know, at the time it sucks and you're disappointed. I was a captain. And then I got called. They wanted me to go to St. John. And I didn't want to go to St. John. Because Jerome had gone up to Calgary and he'd scored a goal and played a flurry. And then they, they wanted to send him to St. John. But he says back, we had a bad back. So he didn't go and we had the same agent, Tony, me and <clears throat> good stuff and <laughs> Tony, good stuff. And so Iggy didn't go and then they're like, they want me to go. I'm like, why do I have to go? <laughs> I just played 105 games or something. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. And like, he didn't have to go. And <clears throat> so like Nick Polano called me and like, I just lost. It wasn't even that. I just, I knew I was done. I would, like, my junior career was over. I knew I wasn't going back as a 20 year old unless something crazy, ridiculously crazy happened. And <clears throat> I just wanted to go back and To be honest, just celebrating party with my team and just kind of having a conclusion to my career. But Mm -hmm. anyways, we get back and then I got to go to St. John and I go there and there's a huge, there's a five day break in between games. So then we go to like Fenway watch, you know, Sox game, get hammered and drink for two days. I'm like, great. This is rush here for this. Yeah. Played one game, two weeks. Was there for 10, 12 days? Played one game. We lost, we're done, but whatever. I think that's um, what they are a little sour about because I didn't really want to go.
2: <laughs> when you, uh, when you're a scorer in junior and then you get to the NHL, you're drafted by the flames and then, you know, you, you were also, you know, 40 goals and, and you had a lot of fights when you're a scorer and they say, okay, now you're going to be a fighter. What happened? How hard is that? Like, you're like, Hey, wait a minute. I, I scored 40 goals you know, I can put the puck in the net. That can't be a fun or easy transition. What was it like?
1: Uh, it wasn't <clears throat> that it was fun or easier, but it was interesting. Cause, um, you know, you go to camp and <clears throat> like you talk about numbers. So Brandon still has, you know, they still have traditional numbers, mm-hmm. two through 31 or 35 or whatever. I don't
2: think they've retired one number.
1: <clears throat> no, I don't think they have either. Excuse yeah. me. <clears throat> um, so you, when you go to camp, you knew if you had a chance to make it based on the number you had. Right. So <laughs> the year before I got cut and <clears throat> you're wearing like fifty three or sixty yeah. something, whatever. And Gary Roberts has got ten and or yeah. seven or something. You know, sorry, seven and Tito's got thirteen and newendike's what, twenty five at the time. Whatever.
2: You know, Jerome's not wearing <clears throat> sixty eight no, whatever, but Jerome right? was
1: wearing twenty four before. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. So it was So true. I don't know if
1: you remember this and I could be wrong and someone will probably call me out if I am, but the when he got called up for the playoffs after Cad he was wearing number 24. Oh. <clears throat> and then he went on to wear 12. Okay. okay. So anyways, this is the conversations you have after you make the team. So, so like, so after that year, miserable year of Paul Baxter, you know, thought it was the best thing for me, not to blame me. <clears throat> he, um, so uh, Brian Sutter calls me and he got named coach and we had Pierre Paget and. Dave King and Pierre Baget are like, oh, Jesus, oh, yeah, oh, geez. I'm so proud of you guys. God, you can't give Barry and McGillany a one. It's like putting a bomb in your car. Jesus Christ. Oh, pretty, whatever. Anyways, he's <laughs> a different fellow. <clears throat> um, There's a few guys that were like, Sheldon Kennedy was one of those. He's like, that Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he was not a fan. Anyways, so Brian Sutter calls me in the summer and he's like, hey, you know, I just want to talk to you. and. You know, watch you play junior, you score four goals, you can score, you can hit, you can score, you can fight. Like, what's it going to take for you to make this team? <clears throat> I very honestly said to him, like, when you come to camp and you're playing with some guy, some junior guy and a guy from the East Coast, you kind of know what's going on. Because the year before, I was playing with, like, two mm-hmm. guys you wouldn't even have heard of. No offense to them, but, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I was a first-round pick, and in that year, the drone made it. He was playing with Flurry and Castles. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of know... You're setting him up for success. I mean, he's still got, you know, Jerome McGinnis is one of the best people, best players, and please don't think I'm discrediting them all because, like, I would have that guy on my team. He'd be a first pick because he was yeah. awesome, man. Like, there's a guy that should have won a Stanley Cup, but you're giving him an opportunity to succeed, and it's up to him what to do with that. So that's kind of what I said. Like, when you come to camp, to, I said to Brian, like, when you come to camp, like, kind of know where you are. Like, the year before, they asked me to come in under 230. I did. I was 8% right. body fat or under 8%, and I get poofed. So I come to camp, I'm playing at Flurry Castles. Okay. So I get an opportunity and then um <clears throat> played eight preseason games. And I had four goals, four assists, and six fights. So, you know, I'll make the team and starts with Flurry and Castles and/or like Castles and the Gimler mm-hmm. combination of that. <clears throat> and I scored my second game of the season, I scored my sixth game of the season. So I got two goals in six games. I'm like, I might score 40. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Like, I'm thinking to myself. <clears throat> and then we started like two and 10 and guys were bitching about ice time and Sandy McCarthy was on the third or fourth line. and wasn't happy. And then sure enough, then I get poofed to the fourth line and then didn't score for three months. And then we're in Madison square gardens playing against Richter and Gretzky and I was out on the ice against Gretzky and he's playing defense, but he doesn't really care. Cause it's pain. Got kind of give him the old like wrap around, go around the net, get a wrap around, get my own rebound. And I score I actually go bar down to Richter. Great. Wow. Yeah, so I'm like, ah, fucking right, woo. You know, like, all right. You know, the boys are like, yeah. they get back to the bench, and Brian Sutter's like, it's about fucking time. And I'm like, you can't let me like enjoy that. Yeah, you can't let me enjoy this just a little bit. But anyway, so the transition, <clears throat> to answer your question, uh, in a roundabout way, that I'd always, like, tried to score. I'd always hit. And when you hit people and you hit them hard, you fight. Mm-hmm. And so I'd always fought. And, you know, you're scared. Everybody's scared. And you're in the league. And you got Brand Myers and all these guys. And Brashear's up and coming and Probert. and. You know, LaRocque, Jesus, like just a big man. Stu
2: Grimson? <clears throat> yeah, Grimson. Was it your first fight, Stu Grimson?
1: Oh yeah, that didn't work out very well. That's a big, that's big, a big, big piece man. of
2: meat to chew off on your first fight, man.
1: Yeah, well I tried to fight him the whole game and he's like, nope, he wouldn't fight me and then finally he did and I was, I don't know what happened, all I know is I ended up on top of him and I couldn't hear out of my left ear for three days. i get on the Seriously? box, I was like, it felt like I had water in my ear. So. Seriously? Oh yeah, he hit me, he obviously hit me pretty good. Wow. So, I don't know, but I ended up on top of him. So, okay. hopefully, I tackled him or something. But, anyways, yeah. So, how was it? Uh, tough transition. It's just once you're on the fourth line, all they wanted was in like Rich Preston. He was like, he showed me a video one time. And it was of Edward and he turned it over twice, but he cross checked three guys and slashed a guy. And he goes, What'd you see there? So, we well, could have got a deep twice. And he goes, No, you see that intensity? See that? <laughs> That's what we want out of you. I'm like, turned okay. yeah. over. Oh, yeah. But, whatever. It was a different time. So, okay. I can do that. So, literally, like, once you're on the fourth line, like, Suds, he would say, like, you got like two shifts to show me if you're ready to play. And if not, you're not going to play. And I'm like, okay. So you just go out and just run somebody or just right. two hand somebody. And, and like the other fighting. team. Yeah. And if it's not a tough guy, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, sorry, man. I'm trying to play. Yeah. Sorry. And then, so you just take, like, we were a heavily penalized team because we had Todd Simpson and Kale Hulse and Sandy McCarthy. And then he got traded. And we got Mike Peluso, And then he got, you know, Weimer came in. But, um, you're just going out there and just, I remember just going out there and just running guys, just two handed guys, just cross checking, like just not even playing hockey, but I was showing I was ready and I was intense. So that's what you had to do. And then the next year, and we traded for, we traded Tito for David Roach and Ken Reggett, and mm-hmm. Ken Reggett got hurt in camp. And then I had to play 70 games to get a one-way contract. So I was on a one way and they kept David Roach over me. Hmm. I'm like, a guy could barely skate. Nothing against him. Nice Mm -hmm. guy. Not that I was a great skater anyways, but I was better than him. And I was their pick. So I get sent down. So I'm making four and a quarter, which is great in St. John. But they're crying. That was in the time when all the Canadian teams were in trouble. We're going to have a lockout and everyone's losing money. And one of their guys came down and said, like, what are you guys doing? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, like, you guys are crying. Like you're losing all this money. And I'm making four and a quarter down here. And like. Like, what are you doing with me? Basically, mm-hmm. like, I was wanted to move at that point. Then I got traded. I was in the flurry deal, which worked out great. Yeah. So, but life isn't always easy and whatever, but, you know, I had the opportunity to play more in the American Hockey League, which is, you know, some guys don't want to go down and, but if you know you're going down to play and get more ice time and come back, if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so mm-hmm. to speak, then it's, but like then my career was like, my NHL career was kind of over because, you know, I wasn't anyone's guy anymore. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, and it was really interesting talking to Jeff Perry, who, uh, was the assistant coach. I'd played with him a little bit Pears pairs was whatever. He's, he's, was an okay guy, but he provided insight into <clears throat> like training camp. He's like, like you go in the room and it's like, what's, uh, okay, Chris Tingman. And then everyone goes around the room and I sucks. So I can't skate or he can't pivot. Oh, he's tough. Uh, he's got good hands or, mm-hmm. uh, he's a, you know, he's a pussy or, you know, whatever they go around the room and. So he said it was really it was, it was an eye-opener because they tear some guys to shreds, but he's like, every scout's fighting for his guy. Oh, yeah, he's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's good. Look at him. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. And especially if it's a GM that dropped you, have to do, they want you to make it. For sure. Like, that's what people don't understand. Like, you know, Poo or any of these guys, like, the Oilers have all these top picks over the years. Like, they want them to make it. They're trying. Of course. Whether yeah. they're doing it the right way, like, you know, bringing them in as 18-, 19-year-old before they're ready to play. Like, they want them to play. Otherwise, you look like an asshole. You look mm-hmm. like you can't do your job. So that's one thing, like, in talking to people, like, so-and-so's got a bad attitude or this or that. or Like, I heard someone say that about Taylor Hall. He was, he was always miserable when he was at Edmonton. I'm like... like they sucked. Well, who likes losing? They, they were terrible. Like he, the, was in, he was at the Memorial Cup with Windsor when yeah. I went and dropped the puck in the first shift of the tournament. He got buried. I thought he broke his neck. Travis Hammond,
2: a drill, and then he comes back and scores, uh, scores that amazing it. goal.
1: Yeah, and I was like... I like broke his neck or his yeah. shoulder and he, he comes dad, to score. And yeah. I was like, this guy's a blur. I'm like, they're done. And after that, I saw that, I was like, they're done. Back to back with the Royal
2: Cup MVPs.
1: Yeah. I'm like, this guy's a winner. And then you come yeah. to this pile of crap that's yeah. losing who would and be happy. So and then people are like, Oh, he's got a bad attitude. And then I remember if someone said that, like, Like he's supposed to be happy? Like I'm you know, I'd rather win and not score. But maybe I should have been a little more selfish yeah. and I could have maybe made more money or who know. But you know, you know, you don't know, but it's yeah. like he, you know, you guys got a bad because. You know he doesn't like losing. Well, I would Who do it. it. I would do anything to win. Yeah, that's the problem now. So, anyways, going back, to this, they this they want guys to succeed. They want their guys to succeed. Like Shirelli, everyone's all over him because his trades didn't work out and his guys didn't work out. Same with like the coach before, or whatever before. So that's why you look at successful organizations and how they groom players. And I mean, your recipe is you uh-huh. just be dog, just be total dog shit for five years and <laughs> draft ball. Yeah, I mean, look at Pittsburgh and Chicago. Edmonton was more on a longer term plan than that, <laughs> but you know, whatever you just don't know. Like, senior, like you look at Ryan Smith and Jason where they were drafted the year I was drafted. Yep. And Smitty, like, not a great skater, and, but he got to play in Edmonton. Like, I could have done that in Edmonton. I could have stood in front of the net and pucks. I yeah. didn't get that opportunity. I mean, but he was willing to take a beating and he had a good career, but he never yep. won a cup, but he was Captain Canada. And I kind of joke around, I don't want to be Captain Canada. I don't want to have a Stanley Cup. You know, I was lucky enough to win two Stanley Cups. So good for me but i was in the right place in the right time and i okay. did my job and i wasn't trying to toe drag guys and whatever so you look at something in bond guy like jason bon senior who six three or 6'4, or two ten like mm-hmm. had all the talent i remember we were in hamilton and uh dennis bonby was a tough guy and you know if you messed around you had to fight him and whatever and i'd fought him a few times and, and i smoked bon senior and i'm like turn around okay where's dennis and <laughs> bacon double body, he's coming He's like, I'm like, you want to fight now? And he's like, No, fuck him. <laughs> like basically, he's like, Why am I fighting for this guy? Because he was a dog. Like he wasn't working hard or whatever. So he said that, and I was like, Okay, let's just let me know. But that was like, mm-hmm. these are conversations that go on, and you know, I knew I'd have to fight him if he wanted to. But he's like, and then you know, he's like, Why am I putting my health at risk fighting for this guy who doesn't give a shit? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's just got all the skill in the world, and. You know, I done worked with on in the summer and like Marty Murray and all those guys in Calgary, we were all doing that skating machine at, uh, that big center, uh, what's it called? Just off Calgary trail, but they had that skating machine where you'd like, you put it up at a 45 okay, degree yeah, angle and yeah. stuff. I <clears throat> can't remember the something center. So there's a whole bunch of us all training there and stuff when we were doing power skating, I remember meeting him and stuff. And I remember he said to me, he goes, I don't know the talent you do. I got to work hard and I got to, cause he was always in the weight room, but I was too. But so you appreciate a guy like that.
2: So you get traded to the Avalanche and you get your first Stanley Cup. Um, so, you know, you're, you maybe you're, well, you maybe you're happy that you're traded for, out of that uh, situation, but oh, yeah. tell me about that, uh, you know, first Stanley Cup. And I mean, the guys that you guys had on that team from, uh, from Ray Bork to Joe Sackick to Peter Forsberg, and then there's Patrick Waugh. You know, winning that cup and playing with Patrick Waugh, was there, uh, you know, one of the best goalies you ever played with, Patrick Waugh?
1: What oh, would you by, say? By far. Yeah. <clears throat> like Nikolai Hobby was good. Rick, Rick Tabaracci was awesome. Dwayne Rollison was brutal when I played with him. <laughs> but he was awesome when, uh, when he came to Tampa. But he was awesome in Edmonton too. Yep. Uh, but all kidding aside. Uh, like, you look at what Dwayne Rolison did in Edmonton, and he basically... It was unbelievable. And then he came to Tampa, and he did the same thing. And then the goalie coach, Franz, who was a friend of mine, and I coached his son, and he started coaching Rolly, and Rolly's like, get that guy away from me. I'm not talking to him. He'd always want to go for beers and talk about it. I'm like, dude, I don't even want to go. And he's like, no, let's go. We're going. He just wanted to mm-hmm. vent, because things weren't... But he went into Tampa. He was unbelievable. And But Patrick Waugh, well, was at a different level than all those guys. Right? Like, just... And a good guy, too. And people think he was a dick, but he was an unbelievable guy. Like, just a couple stories I love. Like, and he just, you get, you know, that, remember that Jeremy Roenick thing? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't hear you because I got greatest comeback of all time. And I thought JR was a douche, too, but I got to meet him. He's actually a good guy. It's just his style. You know, it's his thing. Styles, it's his his persona or whatever. But if you're on his team or you're one of his buddies, he's a great guy. But if you don't know him, you think he's a dick. And Mm -hmm. I thought he was a dick, but he's actually a good guy. So those two are going back and forth. And then when I played with Patrick, like, just one of the best guys. Like, just him and the goalies are allowed to have their own room. But uh, him and Adam Foote had always roomed together, and they continued to room together from their Quebec days. Wow. And Foote, was like... Oh yeah, Patty needs me. He's a little please little what? needs me in his room, yeah, Patty. <laughs> but they were buddies. Like <clears throat> people don't get that. Like you, like having roommates. If you have a good roommate, it's the best, man. Yeah. Like me and Greg Devries, we're in, uh, or Greg Devries and I, or wherever. Let me use a proper English <laughs> terminology. <laughs> I don't want to get butchered too hard, but. Like we'd bring our Sega, whatever it was, Genesis. we play mm-hmm. SmackDown all the time. So we'd go out for dinner and have a couple beers or something. We'd go back and play SmackDown. That was back when you'd take the fork and you bend the two prongs back. <laughs> yeah. so, you could, so you could Jimmy the thing <laughs> off the bat. <back. clears throat> See, that's old school. Yeah. More of this like Bluetooth wireless bullshit. But so we'd go play SmackDown, like, like uh, we just do like Royal Rumbles and stuff. But we had a great team, like just a great group of guys. And the best players were good guys. Well, that's good If to that hear. makes sense. Like Ray Bork, like we go for beers and <clears throat> he treated me like I was Cam Neely. That's yeah, so like, awesome. and same with Patrick Wan. So a lot of the people don't know about Patrick Wan. Like he's one of the most competitive guys ever. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was as good as he was. And that's why he came off as an asshole. But that's what it takes. to so that position, you let in a bad goal, you got to have short-term memory. and <clears throat> But you got to believe you're that good. Like you're not going to beat me. And I remember in practice one time on a two-on-one <clears throat> and I was going down and Left-handed shot, I'm going on the right side, and Adam Foote's playing the two-on-one. I go down, I roof one short side. And I knew enough that if I was going to miss, you miss wide. Because if I hit Patrick Watt in the head, oh, like, man. Yeah, I'm done. Or if yeah. I break his clavicle or something. Yeah. Like now, like you watch guys, they don't give a shit. Like no. warm up, they're just whizzing them on their starters. Crossbars
2: and uh, they're all trying to go I, bar down.
1: I remember Kelly McCrubbin said, telling me that in June, he's like, Jesus Christ. He goes, every time in warm-up, you're warming up on the starter, and I'm, freaking cringing every time you take a slap shot because you're going to kill him because it's high. I didn't think of it at the time because you're like, whatever, I'm trying to warm up myself. Fuck the goalie, man. (laughs) Anyways, so I score on him short side, shelf, and I'm like, I give a little pump in the corner, like an internal pump. Like I don't celebrate. I'm not an idiot. So the next time I come down to the 2-on-1, Adam Fultz played it again, miraculously, and he goes right over to the other guy. Doesn't even play me. So I got to skate in he was giving me half the net, like literally like, here you go. Yeah. Here's half the net, go for it. Like, I dare you. And I'm like, oh, I got to take the shot. You know, I was like, take the shot, whatever movie that was. Take the shot. Yeah. So I go and I rip it, like just a snapper from like inside the top of, the top of circles and just goes, like this. <laughs> <Caught> <laughs> I skate in the corner, I go in line and throws the puck at me. He goes, not this time, kid. <clears throat> I was like, the fact that he remembered I scored on him. That's right.
0: Or maybe, in remember, practice.
1: well, maybe remember, cause I wasn't a very good player and he's like, this turd, <laughs> this plumber scored on me, but no, but he, <clears throat> there was that aspect of the fact that he was, uh, he was that good and he was that competitive. And then there was one time I hit him in the chin guard, uh, when I was coming down shooting I was like, oh God. So I hit him and it was made the worst sound. It was like dropping a glass. Mm-hmm. So like Jacques Lucie and all, I'm like, God, that's the Tabernack St. You know, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, Patty, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I'm like, I'm going to Hershey. I'm like, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, bye bye. And then uh, Patty's like, listen. He goes over to. He looks, he motions over to Jacques Lucie and hardly gives me the old Shh. Like, be quiet. Shut your mouth, basically. And I'm like, Patty, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, Patty, I'm so sorry. He goes, listen, you shoot at me all the time. The puck flipped up on you. Don't worry about it. And he was watching the puck. Wow. I didn't know about tracking the puck like now, like coaching yeah. and stuff. But <clears throat> as a goalie, I didn't know about tracking the puck. So he was watching the puck and the puck flipped up on me because I, listen, I shot on him everything was below his knees, <clears throat> excuse me. There was, cause there was no chance I was mm-hmm. going to hit him, uh, anywhere and hurt him because like I said, then bye bye NHL, you're going to the American right. Hog League. So he, he, he stuck up for me and he didn't have to. And there was one other time I hit him like in tight, like kind of high. It's like, Patty, oh my God, I'm sorry. He goes, listen, stop apologizing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't mean to. Like, I always miss why. He's like, listen, you know what that feels like? It feels like this. He just went like that with a stick. He goes, that's what it feels like. I said, okay, I'm sorry. You know, like, I said, stop apologizing. I was like, okay. Like, what a good guy. And then yeah. this is one of the best stories ever is we were playing Jerome McGill in the Flames. And like Bob Harley was a, you know, he was a good coach, but a lot of people don't realize like Dave Reed came in and we were doing the penalty kill. And he goes, no, no, we're not doing that. He grabs a dry erase mark out of his hand. He goes, here's what we're doing. <laughs> like literally out of his hand guy's like, holy shit. Like, we're like, all right. But that was that team. Like, and hardly chirp guys and guys tell them half off and stuff. Kind of like Hitchcock a little bit. Like, like your own players? <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said to Drury one time, he was like, Drury, and Chris is one of the best guys ever. Like, just one of the best people, nice guys, and, you know, wanted to win, do anything to win. He got scored on twice, and he put he goes, Drury, your line's up. You go. He goes, go get the hat trick. He's already been scored on twice. And this is when Drury was going, wow. he was already on the ice, and he heard it. And he turned around and he goes, what the fuck did you say? I was like, uh, what? He goes, what the fuck did you say to me? But I was like, uh, I didn't say anybody but he was kind of chuckling on <laughs> his breath before. And he goes, if you have something to say, have some fucking balls and say it to my face. And I was like, everyone, like Chris Trey is one of the quietest guys ever for him to say that. And it was like, Bob was like, uh, To your coach, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So there was a couple of things like that, but anyway, so. We were playing Calgary and we were struggling a little bit. And Alex Tangay was a great player and mm-hmm. played of Sakic and uh, started off playing of t- Sakic and hey Duke and you know Merry Christmas here you go. But a good kid and a good mm-hmm. player, he deserved to play there. But you again, you're 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 taking an 18 year old kid and you're putting him in a situation to succeed. Mm-hmm. But he did everything he could with that, so I'm not discrediting him at all. But we all wish we sure. I had that for I had that for six games. I scored right. two yeah, goals. Yeah, yeah, Life yeah. was great yeah. in preseason. I had that too. <clears throat> anyways, so, like, we're playing Calgary, and it was funny. We're at the practice rink in Denver, and we had a great group of guys. And so uh Pierre Lacroix comes down and, I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Greg DeRee, he's my roommate, Good guy. He's like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? Because on the fourth line, and I move up to the third line. So I'm like, woo, all right. Like, I'm not cheering that he got mm-hmm. – because he's not going anywhere. They're not sending him back to junior. Right. We're like, we're in December or January or something, you know. <clears throat> so – then he's coming down, and like, yeah, I remember it was, like, John Klammer, one of those guys, a veteran guy, already won a cup, and it was like, so he comes down, they're like, what the hell is he coming down for? Like, Jesus Christ, he knows he's playing like shit. Like they don't, But, you know, Pierre came down and talked to him. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, just a couple games or whatever, you know, you got to – you know, because he was struggling a little bit, but it was nice they communicated that, but, you know, the veteran guy was like, Jesus, like, he knows he's playing like crap. Like, come on, and, you know, like they're joking around, but it was – so I get a chance. I'm on the third line. I'm all excited. When we're playing Calgary, and before the game, Bob's like, you guys are playing like shit, and I don't care. You know, you turn the puck over. I don't care who it is. Forsberg, Sackick, you're sitting. I don't care. <clears throat> you know, okay, sure. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, so after two periods, we're down 2-0, and Peter's had, like, three extra-larges of anchovies at the blue line, like phantom drop passes, and Joe's <laughs> had a couple turnovers. And I'm not just kidding. Yeah, two of the best people. Famers, oh, yeah. God. Unbelievable players. Unbelievable people, but you know, when you say you don't care who it is, you're going to bench them. That's right. And you don't, and like, it's, it was just dog shit. Like the game was just awful. So after two periods, like we're down to nothing. And again, Patty Wild never seen anything. And we go and we sit down and the locker room in Colorado and Denver is huge. Like the room itself. And then you go down a hallway and there's a stick room, you get around another hallway. And mm-hmm. Then there's like the. All the way down the hallways, the lounge, and then down the hallways, uh, you know, there's the uh, training room, then down the other hallways, another video room, and then the coach's room, and <clears throat> this and that, and then, so anyways, after the peri- after the uh, second period, we sit down, and Daddy Wall stands up, and we're like, oh shit, like this guy never, not he goes, You fucking guys, this is a fucking joke. You know, I don't forget, part of my language, you can bleep it up. It's this podcast, so it's okay, right? That's okay, yeah. And we'll
2: he's just like, put a warning on
1: phone. <clears throat> yeah, but he's like, yeah, you, This is just complete dogs. He goes, That guy down there, he's got no balls. He's not going to sit you, Joe. He's not going to sit you, Pete. He's got no balls. This is a friggin' joke. You guys got one period to show me if you want to win. Otherwise, I'm out of here and I'm asking for a trade. He's got no balls. He's not going to see you. this is a freaking joke. You guys got one period or I'm out of here. And everyone's like, holy crap, man, geez. And I hardly heard every word, which is the best. So he comes back in the room and he's like, uh, Pete, Joe, Milan, you guys are starting. And, he walked up to the, bench. and the third period was literally like, it was like a NHL all-star team playing against. An American league team. Yeah. So we ended up winning 3-2 and helped shot him like, but it took that like, listen, like he may not hold you accountable, but I'm going to, cause yeah. I want to win and we should win. And the beauty of that team and <clears throat> Patty Juan, Ray Bork, all those guys is it's like Ray Bork went in and said, play me less. Mm-hmm. I can't play this, these many minutes. He did that in St. Louis. When we were going in a double overtime. I think it was. And so those guys wanted to win. It was a self-police team, which... You know, people talk about coaching and <clears throat> this is not, and you look at, you know, this day and age, even back then is it you have a coach, you have your systems and he'll put stuff together and it works, you'll put a line together and you'll make adjustments. But the bottom line is that you can be the best coach in the league mm-hmm. and if your guys don't buy in, it doesn't matter.
2: If you don't have the talent to you. If you don't have the it talent, yeah. That.
1: If you don't have the talent, but <clears throat> you can win with inferior talent if they buy if in they and buy it, play, yeah. I mean, St. Louis, they're That's a talented right. team, but they weren't the most, like look at Tampa. Yeah. St. Louis bought in and you look at a team like that, so you know, having the guys that buy in and that culture, that culture there was just going from Calgary where you're just trying to make the playoffs and everyone's having a good time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all going out for drinks and Theo's, you know, like having his vodka, cranberries and, you know, it's just fine. It was great, whatever. But you go from that atmosphere to, you know, we're winning a cup. Yeah, Our goal is to win a cup, not make the playoffs. And I I still to this day, like, whether it's a realistic goal or not, your goal is to win a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. So at the start of the season, you know, the... You know, the Chris Ingmans, our goal is to win the Stanley Cup. Of course. Or the Edmonton Oilers, or whether it's a realistic goal or not, you know, Still what's your, what are your goals this season? Our goal is to win the Stanley Cup.
2: Nobody says our goal is to finish 10th.
1: No. But and get it, close. But then they go, our goal is to make the playoffs. Yeah. So if you make the playoffs, is that considered a success? I mean, it probably is yeah. for some teams. Like if Ottawa makes the playoffs.
2: But if you're in the playoffs, do you want to win the cup? If you're in the dance, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're not here to play three, four games and, and go home.
1: Well, you know, your goal is to win a Stanley Cup. That's good, yeah. But so anyway, so that's what I loved about. That team and you know Patty Wah and guys like that is it, they were winners and they wanted to win. And they were competitors and I just loved it. I just loved it. The second year when Ray came back, we lost the seven games to Dallas and he wasn't sure if he was going to come back. and So we decided to come back. We got to training camp and it was uh, our, our goal is to finish first overall because if we have a game seven, we want it in our building and anything less is unacceptable. And we did. And we got down three to two to Jersey and came back one game six and then came back game seven and... Alex Tangay, <laughs> Tang's had one of the games of his life. So, but that's why you play. And that like, but that was the, that was the mindset and the goal of, uh, that team mm-hmm. I and mean, Patty wall, like even like even in games, if he wasn't getting shots, he'd go out and he intentionally turn the puck over to get a shot. Yeah. Just to scramble. And I remember when, like we were, it was against Jersey or something and I'm like on the ice and like the rules were, and I tell kids I coach now is that when I was in, when I was in Colorado, <clears throat> if you're on the fourth line, you got scored on, you're done. Your night's over. It could be five minutes into the first period. You're done. You just sit there. So, like, you think I was getting scored on? Like, I'm I'm blocking a shot with my face. That's right, yeah. So, Paddy, when he wasn't getting shots, he'd go and, like, turn over. And, like, finally, and he's scrambling around. He's getting shots. And so, finally, when I realized what he was doing, he kind of found out about this. I'm like, Paddy, listen, I want to tell you what to do because you're a legend. And, <laughs> you know, I'm just a fourth-line plumber. But... <clears throat> If you're going to do that, can you please do not do that when I'm on the ice? Do it when Pete and Joe are on the He's like, what do you mean? Yeah, I go, because if I get scored on my night's over. So yeah. can you do that when Pete or Joe are on the ice? He goes, oh, yeah, sorry, yes, no problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so great. And he kind of, Joe laughingly said that, but he didn't realize, like, yeah. he wouldn't know that that was a rule for me, but he's locked into his. He game. was, yeah, yeah but uh, he was good. He was like, when he was on, man, like, even when like, he, they saw that highlight where he made that glove save against and Detroit and
2: held it up, yeah,
1: and dropped out. But he's. I wouldn't uh, care. I don't give a shit. Like he's he, the money,
2: he's the, mo, he's the money goal. Like, you know, Wayne Gretzky talks about Grant Fuhr and he, yeah, he was there for the, was. in the different era. But for that era, um, uh, Mark is great. I'll take Patrick in game seven every day.
1: I would just because <clears throat> you look at the system that Jersey played, another thing is Marty Burrera cause he's an unbelievable, awesome, obviously, yeah. <clears throat> but he just played the shot. He didn't have to worry about mm. playing the pass. Because uh, Scott Stevens or Danico or Tommy Abilene or Niedermeyer going down, all their defensemen over right. the years, Sutton, like they played the pass. They played the trap and they played the pass. So we played them in the finals. All we worked on in practice was D to D to the, to the wing, back to the D to the weak side. We right. had to make like three or four passes. And if he didn't, because they were playing the left wing lock and they were playing the trap, then it was a bad dump. And if it right. was a bad dump, Marty Berder would just go out and play the puck. And that, he was a better passer yeah. than half his defense. That's team. right, yeah. So... If we, and they knew to a T, if it wasn't, and we worked on literally like getting the, like curling, getting the puck to just stay in the corner on the goal line because it was too far from our to That's go right. Get it.
0: Yeah. Draw like weight. we worked on that. Draw yeah. Weight. Like
1: draw away. Like no hurry. All right. No, there's no hurry. It was like, oh, wait, <laughs> because if he didn't, like it was he, like the D literally like Scott Stevens would just go to the hash marks and he right. just fired past him and he was that good a passer. So. But the system they played allowed him to play, be aggressive. And, you know, like when he was taking a shot, God, he was out sometimes at yeah. the face-off dot. But he didn't have to worry about the pass. And if there was a pass across, somebody was getting a hairy eyeball. And So not to discredit him because he's mm-hmm. an unbelievable goaltender, but the system he played in is an easy system for goalies of playing. And obviously he made the saves, and he still scrambled around, made big saves. But the way we played a little bit was a little more wide open. And, you know, Patty had to scramble around and make some saves. But uh, I still, when we played... I watch game seven now when they have like the NHL network, they have the classic games and stuff. And we got up, we were up three, one, I think it was or something. And I watched, you watch the games and you have one of the most talented teams in the NHL and we gave up one scoring chance. And I mean, it was off the glass and we must've iced it 50 times. Like who cares? But you have the best players in the world. They wanted to win and it was, everything was off the glass. There was one prime scoring chance. It was Patrick Elias who made an unbelievable play and got around Ray Bork and Patty Wah made a ridiculous save, but they had one prime scoring chance yeah. in the third period. And it was just total team defense and buying in. So it was really cool. Yeah.
2: Okay. I want to ask you, sure. uh, we're, we're, I'm taking up a lot of your time here, but you played for two coaches, um, that I want to <laughs> ask about in particular. One is Bob Lowe's. Uh, I've seen Bob Lowe's do crazy things behind the bench, like, you know, going after refs with sticks. I've also had amazing, just conversations with him. Yeah. Same thing with torts. I met John Tortorella in an airport, had a great conversation with him. It was when he wasn't coaching. He was doing TSN, but he can be obviously very hard to play for. Who is a tougher coach to play for, Bob Lowe's or John Tortorella?
1: Because
2: both of them can be, I I, I think, very hard to play for at times, but also Uh, have had success.
1: I don't know about tougher. eh? Maybe Tortorella. Like I would just say, so Bobby Lowe's was, he was a little crazy. But we're all a little crazy. and I say this, I, I, he was perfect. Like I came to camp and I had earrings and he took one look at me. He's like, you don't think you're keeping those freaking things, do you? And I was like, well, I kinda, he was like, get those out, get the, you know, <laughs> yeah. get those out of here right now. Okay. You know, the, the tone was set. Yeah. Let's just say that. And then there was one time in practice I tried to make a pass two on one as a rookie. And D man knocked it down. It was a good saucer pass. It was actually a really good pass. And the D just got lucky, knocked it down. He comes over and he goes, (laughs) sorry, I don't want to do it too loud in the microphone, but that's what it was, like right in my face. Like a whistle. Oh yeah, (laughs) like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, it's because of the blanks. Like you have high blood pressure. Get the freaking puck in, David. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, all right. Just trying to make a pass. And it was practice, but I was coaching, so. He, I didn't find him hard to play for at all because you knew what he was hard and you listened or he didn't play and he screamed at you and you, you knew that. So that's not, to me, I loved him. Like I, you know, he was at times, he was tough, but I played, Mm -hmm. I played and he was hard on me, but I played. So that's what you want as a coach or as a player. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like, you can crap all over me. You can shit all over me all you want, but if you're going to play me, I understand that. Right. And even Hartley, when he was giving it to me and he was screaming at me, I finally said to him, like, why are you yelling at me? I'm at, pra- I'm at two and a half hours before practice. I work out before every practice. I go out early. I shoot on the backup goalie. I practice. Yeah. I get bag skated after practice. I then go ride the bike after. Like, what are you screaming at me for? I'm not, it's not like I'm not a hard worker. Right. I was in the top 10. I was like eighth overall in testing. And he finally said, like, I can't, you know, I can't yell at Joe or Peter, so. I said, why didn't you tell me that three months ago? Yeah. You know, like he'd sit and at me. So, but so like between Tortorello and Lowe's, like Tortorello was, he was really good. I appreciated him because he, he'd shit on anybody. Like it didn't matter if it was. like yeah no way. favorites. No, that was the difference between him and say a <clears throat> or even Bobby Lowe's. Like Bobby Lowe's would all, he was all the same way. Like he, Marty Murray, he yeah. would, you know, but then you're talking junior and pros. So yeah, they're two different. different. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> two different things. Excuse me. But so. I'd say Torrella is harder to play for just in the fact it's, like I scored two goals in two games mm-hmm. and then I sat out 11 straight games because you want to get more speed in the lineup.
2: And you didn't know what to do. Yeah. Well,
1: I don't know. We played Jersey, we lost 5-1 and I, I found this out after that, you know, he thought we were too slow with me and Dave Anderchuk in the lineup. So then he put Andre Law back in cause he was coming back from suspension. And I'm kind of like, I just had two goals in two games and I scored the only goal. Uh-huh. We lose 5-1 and you want to get more speed in the lineup. Like I was obviously fast enough to score, like, give me one more game and then send me out. Right. So there was stuff I like got I didn't appreciate about torts. And, you know, I was like, damn, I'm not trying to screw you, you know, whatever. But I was always the guy that got sat out. But then <clears throat> come playoff time, I played. Uh-huh. Like the year before we won, we were playing against uh, Washington. That's when they had Jager, and I was playing against Jager. Yeah. It was me and Tim Taylor and <clears throat> either Andrew Chuck or someone else or a climber or whoever. And we were playing against um Yager. Jager.
0: Yeah.
1: And we shut him down and then, uh, the second game we lost and he sits me out and puts Andre on and then, uh, Andre took a bad penalty and then got benched and I played the rest of the way, but just stuff like that. But then, you know, the next year I played every game. Yeah. So I don't know which one's easier or harder or whatever. I just, you know, there was stuff like getting sat out by torts. I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. stuff I like got when I did my job and whatever, but he's a coach, it's like, you know, uh, selfishly, Like even after the lockout, like, you know, there was an article where like our fourth line was our best line. He said, your fourth line can't be your best line. But then I get sat out yeah, and they called up like Darren Reed and Nick Tarnaski and, you know, Nick ended up having a decent career and Darren Reed just like, you know, didn't really play that much. And But then the perception was out there that I couldn't play in the new NHL. I remember running an Al coach or something. And he's like, oh, how's it going? You know, you having trouble with the new rules. I was like, no, not (laughs) really. But that was the perception. Yeah, So it kind of screwed me to be honest with you. So. You know, I don't know about easier or harder, which one was better. I just, uh, I really appreciated Bobby Lowe's because at that time you had to be hard and drop the hammer of junior guys and torts too. I remember giving it to Vinny one video session. We are in, we in Raleigh. <laughs> we are getting on a flight and we just want to get to the next day or go watch football or something. And they show him against lining up, going, circling around, going to line up against Eric Stahl. And it was the worst camera angle because it was like literally from the side, like the two of us were facing each other. hmm and they're like getting ready to face off, and they circle around, and, and he goes, hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, man. He could read his lips. It was terrible. Oh, God. So it was like, and he, saw, he goes, what? <laughs> he goes, you're having a good year. And he's like, what? He goes, how's it going? And so, Jesus Christ, as soon as this, we're like, oh, God. And we're going to be here a while. Yeah. George goes, I don't want to I just Well, I'm just curious. What are you saying to him? He just shoved it right up your ass. Like, I'm just curious. What are you saying to him right now? And I was like. Oh, uh, we're gonna be here a while. Yep. But I was trying to challenge Vinny and Vinny Le like, is yeah, one of the best people. He's an awesome guy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, great shape, great talented person, whatever. But he got <laughs>
0: just, just, just got called like yeah. turned
1: into F you, no F you, and he was just challenging him, like, really? I guess. Really? Yeah. It was great. Vinny got mad. He's like, you know, you know, and, like so it was,
2: Does that happen more than people think? Uh, you know, there's like it's like a family, right? You're gonna have yeah. the odd spat here and there, and you just you, you all have the same common goal.
1: Sometimes. I mean, I don't know about more than people think, but. Okay. <clears throat> like you look in practice and got uh, teammates will fight sometimes because you're just in a bad mood and maybe your baby hadn't slept or mm-hmm. a coach is shitting on you or crapping on you or whatever. And like, it just happens. sometimes Foxy players you, have bad days too. Yeah. But just sometimes you just don't like a guy either. But mm-hmm. yeah, like some there's coaches like Hitchcock, like I know got a lot of guys that played for Hitch and I loved it when he came to Edmonton because it was like, hey, you suck. Like he was, <laughs> guys would tell me stories like Brett Hull when they were in Dallas, he would put a tracksuit on and then he stuffed the tracksuit, excuse me, full of, uh, towels and he went out and he was imitating Hitchcock. Brett like, Hallward, ah, yeah. You suck. Ah, look at you. You're terrible. Ah. Like, and Hitchcock thought it was great. Like, yeah. But what, like, so like I, I was lucky I played with Daryl Sador and, and Dave Reed and a couple other guys who played for, played in Dallas and won and Brad Lukowicz right. and well, they, everything they did say is like Hitchcock, he was smart and he united everyone in hating him. Like, so it worked. Like in Dallas, like Medano, like they had great leaders. Like yeah. Le- like they had some great players and Zubov and Betty Belfort, and Hatcher and Ludwig, I think were there. And <laughs> like they had great teams. And it was like, there were stacked teams like, you know, Dallas and Colorado and Detroit. and But like, it's a good coach. You get, you get, if you get your star guys to buy in, you get three quarters of your team to buy in, you're good. Yeah. Because there's always going to be the four flying guys. The guys that aren't playing aren't happy, but you're going to totally, the line, cause if you're, you know, when I'm sitting out 11 games, if I'm a problem, they're just going to send me down. Yeah. So you just work out and you're upset and everyone knows you're upset and, <clears throat> but you just, you know, it's just life. And then you do something and you play more physical and practice and guys will tell you that F off and you're like, they, I'm trying to get back in the lineup. Right. So anyways, like <clears> they <throat> the good coaches do that and they're united. And so like, what, like Torch would challenge everybody and Hitchcock would do the same where he united everyone where everyone wanted to stick it up his ass mm-hmm. and it worked cause they won. I mean, whether the foot was in the crease or whatever it may be, they won. He got the best out of a veteran group of players that wanted to win. And then same was Bobby Lowe's did the same cause he was hard on everybody. But you know, when i played with Marty Murray, yeah, I knew I was going to get more leeway and to make plays and you just, as you get older, you understand that. So I didn't really, I didn't really answer your question. I just, uh, like I appreciate both mm-hmm. coaches. I just like disliked Torrell a little less just cause it hurt me personally but he was doing what's best for him as a coach. Mm-hmm. But I will say like when he was on TSN, like he was so muted down and toned down. Like they had him on there and it just sucked because he was like, well, you know, it's uh, this. And couldn't say anything, yeah. Well, he could,
2: but he, he was, but he would
1: have been yeah. better for it, but he's waiting yeah. for his next job. Yeah. And so that's a fine line too. Like you bring these personalities on and like Burke, Burkey's Berkey because he's just where, well, you know, he'll just say whatever. He's just a crusty. He's I love his openness. Yeah. He's just I, like, I a, his his, yeah, he's just a crust. Well, he just doesn't care yeah. and it works for him and, I wish Torts would have been more like that because you tell stories like that people don't know. But, I, you know, Torts does a lot for the community and he's done a lot over the years and stuff. So I, you know, again, like selfishly, Chris Tangman, the player, I like Bobby Lowe's more. John Tortorella, like him a little bit less, but we won. Mm -hmm. And Andre Watt doesn't like him. You know, the guy's you're not going to like everybody and you just try and, you know, things could have maybe been different. He would have played me or give me more opportunities like Marty Mer- or Marty St. Lee got a mm-hmm. opportunity to play with Freddie Modine and Brad Richards and what a great career he had. Mm-hmm. And it was only because there was an injury and he put them together and he liked that line and Torts wanted to keep that line together.
2: And the rest is history.
1: Hey, yeah. And you know, look at all the money those guys made. Mm-hmm. Just funny things sometimes. So, you know, as being a player <clears throat> for a coach, you want to be their guy. Like Keenan had his guys everywhere yeah. he went, like, you know, you'd have Craig McTavish and Noonan or Anderson, or he always had his guys. And I tell people, I like, I tell kids my coach now, I was like, every coach has their guys. You want to be their guys. You know why? And they're like, why? They're like, it's a safety blanket. And the kids, like these kids will say, <clears throat> well, what do you mean? I'm like, it's a safety blanket. Well, what do you mean? Because if I put Chris Tingman out there, I know exactly what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I put Craig McTavish out there to take the face off with three seconds or whatever, however many it was to go. He took the face off. It wasn't Mark Messier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why is he taking the face off? Because he's a great face off guy. You know exactly where you're getting. He's not going to try and score. He's not going to try and make a play. So I tell you, like coaches have those guys. You want to be whatever team you're on. You want to be that guy, whether you're a goal scorer, or penalty killer, or whatever, if you're that, it's a safety blanket Cause I put you mm-hmm. on the ice. I know exactly what I'm getting. And that's why you have these coaches that <clears throat> bring their guys around and have success. And sometimes it works and then, you know, it doesn't work. And you go to Vancouver and, with Keenan and stuff like that, but because the guys are older, mm. it was just whatever, but that's why you had those guys. They love those guys. and Those guys love being a coach's guy because, oh, where's he going now? He's in Philly? Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for my phone to ring because right. I know I'm going to Philly at the deadline or yeah. before because you want to bring your guys because you won with them before you have comfort in that. And, you know, both, both those coaches had that yeah. and he you know, hardly had that too. He, he was going to play his guys whether you should have or not, like sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's too much ice time.
2: Yeah, That's why Bobby Clark took Eric Lindros and made him the captain in uh, 98 and didn't bring Mark Messier. That's strongly what I believe because Messier would have taken over that dressing room, and I think Bobby Clark wanted to make Lindros the guy.
1: Yeah, and he can't have two guys. Maybe Messier could have been a mentor, but just the personality, it would have been.
2: It wouldn't have worked out.
1: Well, maybe it would have, like, you don't know, like you looking back, maybe. Well, it wouldn't
2: have worked out the way Bobby Clark wanted it to <clears> work <throat> envisioned out. Envisioned it to work yeah. out, but. They maybe, might've won though.
1: It might've been, no, but it might've been great for Eric Lindros to have yeah. a guy like Mark Messi or me, maybe, maybe it would have been not good. Well, the
2: 87 Canada cup, you, you hear those stories of the Oilers and Islanders uh, in 84 and 87, having to you know, come together and, and be a team after they had battled each other for so long. So yeah. it's uh, you know, and, and Mario Lemieux was always going to be great. Uh, but I think Wayne Gretzky in 87 took Mario Lemieux to a new level, having them play oh, together. Yeah. Right.
1: <clears throat> Canada, yeah. I remember that. That Canada cup. People talk about that a lot. You know, what's funny about that <clears throat> is I play with a guy, his name is Alexey Gusarov, <laughs> defenseman. Goose, he's awesome. Yes. Goose. Yeah, no. Mino liked the Bob. He was awesome. So anyways, he was playing in the Canada cup. Remember those Canada cups? Yeah. Yeah. Gretzky's a rookie or the one that Gretzky was a rookie. Uh, in
2: 81, you mean? Or? I don't know, whatever year it was. Okay. the Canada
1: Cup. Kretzky's a rookie. Yeah. And Kretzky retired in what, 99? Yeah. At what age? 37?
2: Okay, yeah, close to that. Yeah. I don't
1: know, but something like that. I retired in 99. Yeah. I know this because I was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> I believe. So why I laugh about that is so I played with Alexei Gusarov in Colorado, and he was playing for yeah. the Russians, yeah. and they're like, this veteran defenseman, Alexei Gusarov. I'm like doing the math. So I'm playing with him. I'm like, yeah, he played against Kratz, you know. So me and Greg DeVries are like, how old is Goose? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, how old is so like, Goose? How old are you? And this is in ninety nine. I go, Goose, how old are you? He goes, 35. I'm like, no, seriously, Goose, how old are you? 35. <laughs> like it was like there's no way he was 35. Right. Like, he looked like Mr. Burns. Like, <laughs> oh, God, his upper body is just like a wet noodle. And he smoked, you know, he would have a cigarette in between, uh, <laughs> in between periods. But, really? Oh, I remember he had a fractured pinky and he missed two weeks. And I was like, geez, like, come on, Goose, it's just a fracture. But anyways, he came back. He killed five on three for the full two minutes. It was unbelievable. He did the old school shot blocking where he put his hand in front of his face and go down on <laughs> one knee. But I remember that, Goose, 35. I go, Goose, he ever takes steroids? No. Come on, buddy. Red Army? No. Yeah, come on. It was like, all I know is they tell me, tick pill make you yeah. strong. But he obviously never worked yeah. out because, but he was a great guy. But anyways, that uh, just talking about Gretzky taking Lemieux to the next level. I just remember that watching NHL Classics or whatever on the NHL Network. And it was like, I just remember saying this veteran defenseman, like, Alexi yeah. Gooser. I remember seeing that. I'm, I'm playing with this guy and like, trying to do the math and I'm like, okay, Gretzky's 37 and 99 and you're yeah. 35, but you're a veteran defenseman. would you start playing at like 16, yeah, 17? So anyways, I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong, but I still remember me and DeRees were like, oh, Goose, how old are you? 35. No, oh, seriously, Goose, 35. <laughs> okay. All
2: right. Good stuff, man. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, sorry if I went a little bit longer, but oh, uh, okay. you had uh, too many amazing stories and we didn't even get the Celine Dion concert story in.
1: Oh, you want to get it in? Yeah, <clears> real <throat> quickly. Yeah. So it's like the first event at the Pepsi Center and it had just been built And Pierre Lacroix, the big cheese upstairs there for the Avalanche. Uh, that was a joke because Celine Dion during the concert, oh, the big cheese upstairs there for the Avalanche, uh, Pierre Lacroix, you know. So anyways, <laughs> it was the first event in the Pepsi Center because they were friends with her long, her deceased husband Renee was good friends with. Mm-hmm. And there was talk that like Celine Dion was part of the Ray Bork trade, like talking on behalf of I don't wow. know. Yeah, there was like, yeah, I reached out to Ray and see if he'd come to Colorado. I don't know. This is what That's crazy. Who knows? Yeah, maybe if they did, but if Slindy on her husband brokered a deal to get Ray Bork, great. All the better. But, anyways, uh, that was the first event at the Pepsi Center. And so we got the weekend off. And I'm like, okay, guys, what, what are we going to do? Go to, you know, this, go to a basketball game or have some beers or whatever. And everyone's going to the concert. And I'm like, Jesus, seriously? here's like, what concert? Slindy on. I'm like, Jesus, God. Like, Slindy on, really? Like, I'm a Metallica. Like, like now, Slip, I still love Slipknot, Metallica, Poison, Molly Crew, like the old style. Mm-hmm. Like, I like hard music and I like country and I like some hip hop, Dre, like I like all different kinds of music, but my go-to's are like hard rock, right. heavy metal, like Godsmack. I got to meet those guys. Three of a dead man. Sorry, I'm name dropping, but whatever. You know, like I like uh, hard music, so Celine so On is not my cup of tea at all. So um, like, uh, everyone's going to the show and I'm like, oh, Jesus, like everybody. And so Chris is having a party before the concert. I'm like, oh God. So, like, I call the team and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, can I get a ticket? Charlotte was in it, her name. She was the secretary. I was like, hey, Charlotte, can I get a ticket, please? I don't even care where I don't want to go to this concert. She's like, oh, you want to, everyone's going. And I'm like, I know. So, long story short, she gets me a ticket. Guess where the ticket is? First row. By myself. <laughs> wow. I'm like, Jesus, I'd rather stick my finger in mine than go to this concert, let alone, like, sit in the front row. And that was like, the near, far, <laughs> <where> <laughs> You are like my heart will go on. Sounds like
2: you're a bit of a fan, actually.
1: Oh, I know a song, but yeah, I mean, it's really discreetly a fan. <laughs> I appreciate her music, but yeah. it's not my cup of tea. I'm more like a so lady, gonna, gonna I'm sk- more of a lady Gaga, like yeah, uh, Christina Aguilera. If I got to listen to stuff like that, but anyways. So, like, that was like the Titanic, like the front of her stage was right. like the friggin' Titan, the whole of the whatever the Titanic is, the whole the front. I don't I even think know. so, yeah. I'm not a seaman, anyways. So I got to go to this freaking concert and I don't even want to go. And I'm only going so we can go for beers after. And so I'm like, I remember seeing Adam foot for at jury's place. I was like, 40, Jesus Christ. I can't go to this concert. He's like, Ugh, I don't even want to go. Like, where are you sitting? He's like, oh, I'm in uh, Larry Walker's box. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm, Larry, I'm in Walker's box. He goes, why well, don't you come up there? And I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, he won't care. Yeah. What, what boxes? He's like, I don't know. I'll just ask one of the ladies. You know, or one of the security people, I was like. Okay, sure, whatever. I'm like, oh, thank God. So then I get to the concert. I'm like, one of the ladies, i like, hey, sorry, Chris thing. She's like, oh, hi, Chris. Like, because I played for the team. Mm-hmm. And I guess she you knew who I was. And I'm not like a name dropper or whatever. I said, hey, I'm sorry, but uh, like Adam Foote, I'm supposed to go to Larry Walker's box. You know, which box is it? She's like, yeah, well, sure, no problem. We'll take you right there. No problem. So I'm like, okay. We well, I went into two boxes. They were the wrong box. We were going, like, everyone turns around, like. You know, like music yeah. stops and like oh, sorry, uh, wrong record box. scratch. <clears throat> so finally, we get to um, we go and we go in Larry Walker's box. She's like, "Oh, here, look at oh yeah, this is the right box." Okay, have a good night, Chris. Enjoy yourself. And I like, walk in, take two. I'm twenty two, 22, 23 years old. I'm walking in Larry Walker's box, like freaking Larry Walker, man, Mister mm-hmm. Canada, freaking. So like, Larry Walker turns around. And I was like. Uh I'm Mr. Walker. <laughs> like, uh, is Adam Foot here? And he's like, Footy. No, he went to the bathroom. What's up? And he goes, uh, What's up, Dinger? And I was like, you just called me Dinger. Yeah, he knows <laughs> and I was who like, I am. He's. I was like, He's calling me Dinger. And I was like, Hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, uh Footy just told me to, you know, come to your box. It was okay? He's like, Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. You want a beer? What do yeah. you want? A Coors Light or a Coors? And I was like, I'll oh, take Coors Light, please. And he's like, Oh, come sit down. So I spent the whole concert drinking beer with Larry Walker, which made it. That was my Celine Dion. Thank God. I would have killed myself. Can you imagine how much you would have stuck out in the first row Uh, of Celine Dion? Seriously. Yeah. Han Solo (laughs) by myself, flying the Falcon. No Chewy. (laughs) Yeah. I sit there by myself, Han Solo. Yeah. Hey, dear far, where's my lighter?
2: Instead you got to hang out with the greatest Canadian baseball player of all
1: time. It was great. Had about 15 beers. It was awesome.
2: He seems like a great dude.
1: One of the best guys. He was at our games all the time. He'd come come to the locker room after the games that big. Yeah. I remember saying, I'm like, hey, Larry, don't you have a game tonight? He's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm hurt. I'm injured. I just went to, you know, I'll just go yeah. for the first three innings. So he go to the, you go watch three they'd innings come, of his yeah. game and then come watch our games. Do you know his,
2: a, you know his story of like how he ended up playing baseball? Like he gets yeah. cut from the Regina Pats, throws yeah. his equipment in the corner, and then just decides uh, to baseball. become the greatest Canadian baseball player of all time. But, had he made the Regina Pats that year Doesn't and been happen. a backup, we would never have this great career. That man versus machine. It's a great documentary. <clears throat> yeah,
1: that's where I saw that. Yeah. So he went back and started playing like senior ball or yeah. something. And then Isn't he amazing? drove, yeah, he hopped in his car and drove down to Florida.
2: Like, can you imagine if you got cut by the Wheat Kings and you decided to become a baseball or a basketball player or something, and you were like the greatest of all time in well, a country? Well, I got it's traded.
1: Just... I got traded to the Wheat Kings from Seattle. From Seattle.
2: Yeah, that was weird. You <clears throat> thought you were going to Seattle and you got traded for uh, Chris Osgood, I think, was it? Yeah,
1: me and like four or five other guys. Well, I was the player to be named later. I went to the Memorial Cup and I'm like I like I play drums and yeah, you know, all this like grunge like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and like Seattle. This is awesome. They gave me some gloves and yeah. sticks, gave me like six sticks, and I'm like, this is the best. And I get back and a call two days later, hey Chris is Kelly McKinnon from the brand Wheat Kings. we just acquired your rights. And I'm like, Whoa, what? <laughs> Where's Brandon? Yeah. So we pulled the freaking analyst and like forty two thousand people. I'm like, Oh my god. So I wanted to quit because I'm like, Oh, they didn't want me, you know, Seattle didn't want me and you know, like Kelly's like, no, no, we wanted you. Yeah. And then I actually ran into the old GM of the Seattle Thunderbirds, Peter Anholt. Russ Farwell. Russ Farwell. Yeah. So I ran into him a game in Tampa, like years, a couple of years back. And he goes, "Hey, Chris, Russ." I said, "Oh, hey, yeah." He's like, so, "I said, I don't know." He was drafting. Him. I said, "I know." I said, "What happened?" Kind of thing. He was. I just want to tell you, I'm still pissed off because Kelly screwed us because we didn't. We wanted to get. It was like Milt Mastad or one. I think it was one of the other guys and. There was him and someone else and he's like, Kelly screwed us he fleeced us. He's like, I just want to let you know, like, I did not want to make that, It still pisses me off to this day. So it was kind of nice, uh, because he didn't have to say that or whatever, but you know, you don't know, like I wanted to quit too. Well, you know what
2: the response to Russ would be is that's okay. Kelly's fleeced everybody. Like, I don't, I don't know of a trade Kelly has ever really lost.
1: No, he's a smart man. Like he,
2: and now obviously, um, you know, rightfully so uh, taking his uh, role as a GM and, uh, man, that, that guy, he could have went to Toronto. He could have, he is, he's one of the smartest hockey minds yep. I've, uh, and in. you know, I mean, when, when I got, uh, he's such a good guy too. When I got, uh, you know, the layoffs happened and I let go
1: hmm. out
2: of the blue, he called me up just to uh, say, Hey, you know, things will turn around. So, uh, important guy.
1: Yeah, no, I really want to the uh, yeah, he's, oh, he's funny. I can tell you, we can do a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we'll do, it. We'll do his, that. We'll
2: bring you mm-hmm. back again. Thanks. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Um, uh, I love the stories and, uh, uh, what's the, uh, the Stout Gloves website? We'll give you another plug here.
1: www.stoutgloves.com and All buy right. some gloves. Hockey's expensive. Do you
2: autograph them for people?
1: If, uh, if they want, if they
2: want it. do whatever, All whatever
1: right. sells something, I'll, I'll not talk to them if, it, if they'll want to sell more.
2: <laughs> That's right. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, man, and uh, best of luck.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Cameron used to sing a lot, but he stopped when his dad yelled, Shut up.
2: Hey there. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more great stuff for your ears, check out Podcast Alley at www.deanmillard.ca, where you can find more entertaining podcasts and contests. Now, let's get back to the show. What an awesome conversation uh, with Chris Dingman. Um, if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Ding Dish. And uh, man, he can tell a really, really good story. And and just look at the Hall of Famers that he played with, um, from uh, Jerome McGinley to obviously Joe Sakic, Peter Forsberg, Patrick Waugh, Rod Francis, uh, when he was in Carolina for a, a brief period, and the uh, the stars that he played with in. Uh, Tampa Bay, Played with a lot of really good guys and uh, has some good stories about a lot of them. We're, we'll definitely have to bring uh, Dingman uh, back on the show. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to Acme meat market trivia before we wrap things up. So you can get a gift card from Acme meat market. You can find them at 95 76th Avenue, and you can check them out online at acmemeatmarket.ca. You can find Corey, Amanda, and their amazing staff in the Richie market, uh, or you can check them out online and as mentioned, uh, Corey is a member of Team Canada for the World Butchers Challenge in September 20. So Marc Messier's is uh, preparing, uh, help preparing your meal for you. The Marc Messier of butchers. So our uh, Chris Dingman theme trivia. Who did Chris Dingman drop the gloves with in his first NHL fight? If you heard the interview, he said he didn't go well. But uh, who did Chris Dingman uh, drop the gloves with in his first NHL fight? So uh, what you need to do if you want to get a gift card from Acme Meat Market is email us your answer to sports and more pod at gmail.com. That's sports and more pod at gmail.com. If you know the answer who Chris Dingman fought in his uh, first NHL regular season fight, uh, let us know the answer to that question. Big thanks to Chris for coming out uh, former week King. So I was uh, happy to hear about some of the best uh, weak Kings that he played with. Uh, it was a lot of fun, great stories. And that's going to wrap things up for us on this week's edition of the sports and more podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please uh, subscribe. If you like what you hear, uh, leave us a review and you can check out all of our shows at www.podcastalley.ca. Have a great week, everybody. Playtime is over.